get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is? It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend Friday. Good. Everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. It's about nine million degrees outside. <laughs> it's seven o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley has taken off to become a bridezilla this weekend. No, no, yeah, she said maybe could Think happen. She's shopping for wedding dresses this weekend in Nicheville. And uh, so, Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker with you until 10 o'clock. CD, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? Good. Hey, there was a big uh, rumor yesterday in the LA Times. We'll talk about it later in the show, but you and I, I literally in the final minute before we came on the air, came up with a fair trade if the Cardinals are going to send Nolan Arenado to L.A. The Cardinals would have to send Arenado to Los Angeles. Okay. They'd have to send. This is our little opinion here, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, here's what we're thinking. So it's Arenado to L.A. with Wilson Contreras and his entire contract. Okay. The Cardinals get back their four best pitching prospects, plus Walker Bueller, plus their catcher, Will Smith, and the Dodgers take on the entire Wilson Contreras contract. And then the cherry on top. This is the most important part. The Los Angeles sends the Chargers to St. Louis. It's a done deal. There we go. We love you, Nolan. But (laughs) we we get an entire football organization. Yeah. 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 So, L.A., there's your deal. If you want it, if you want (laughs) Nolan Arnauto, there's your deal. Take it or leave it. Bring Bring that to the table and we will have a conversation. Yeah. Last night was fun at the ballpark, wasn't it? It was pretty fun. It was was great. Intriguing. Yeah. The Cardinals, (laughs) well, they they lost the game. It's not like this is the first time they've lost a game this year. Uh, If the Cardinals go 54-4 and the rest of the way, They'll get to 100 wins this season. Uh, 54 and 4. That'd be a pretty good stretch. Uh, kind of unprecedented. <laughs> Kinda. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so you're saying 100 wins yeah, is pretty much yeah. out of the out of the probably question. out of the realm okay. of possibility. As All a matter right. of fact, 44 and 14 sounds a little bit undoable for this, this outfit. Yeah. yeah, but the, the Cardinals did lose 10-3 last night, and all the fun came early on, like 14 pitches into the game after Ian Happ had taken a swing and hit his former teammate and good friend Wilson Contreras on the head, knocked. Contreras out of the game. Uh, the Cardinal starter, Miles Michaelis, tried to get his little pound of flesh. And here's the way things unfolded. And another message sent. Buzzed the tower once, got him flushed the second time, and now let's see if the umpires issue warnings after well, Hap knocked Contreras from the game. Well, you, you see that Hap knew what was going on, too. Didn't say a word, took his bag, caught him right in the hip. If you're going to get him, that's exactly where you get him. Did the job the right way. They pull him out? Wow, they Come just pulled Michaelis out of the game. you got to be kidding me. Have a little feel for baseball. Have a little feel for the game. That's awful. There is no punishment whatsoever for Ian Happ, who hits Contreras with a bad swing. And while Ali Marble makes his case, he gets thrown out after discussing things in front of the Cardinals dugout. All right, so this is Chip and, and BT last night. And what 
I took out of it, to me, the most salient point was made by Brad Thompson. The umpires need to have a little feel for the game. It's like yeah. they were the only ones on the field that didn't understand what was going on. It, it was intriguing. It's like everyone in the entire stadium knew what was taking place mm-hmm. after uh, Hap hit Wilson Contreras with the bat. Everyone and understood. That was an accident. It was, and it was not intentional. They both hugged it out. But Hap understood. Eh, I got. I, I yeah. probably got to deal with this yeah. one. It's part of the game. He hit him right in the hip, right in his back pocket, and then he went to first base. He didn't complain. No one on the Cubs bench complained. No one said anything except for the four men that were umpiring the game. So here's the way it sounded on the Cubs telecast. Michaelis goes <laughs> inside with one at 94. Intent? Probably not, but right. maybe. Definitely. Wow, that's huh? weak. That's some weak sauce there. That's really weak. I mean, there's nothing intentional about what Ian did. Wilson took no umbrage. You saw him hug. And that's just that's just dumb, really. I mean, to me, I feel like they're I, I'm not advocating, but if they were to throw him out of the game here. Yeah. I would say that. Yeah, that might like be what they're play. discussing. That was clearly intentional. I think clearly intentional. Maybe that's a guy who doesn't want to pitch on a hot night. He's gone. He threw him out. Yeah. Yep. Michaelis thinks he's got an argument, yeah. and I'm sure Ali Marmo's going to stick up for his guy. Yeah, and, I'm, and, and but, this is one of the things as a manager, you know your guys made a, a, a dumb mistake, and, and guys sometimes in the heat of battle do dumb things. So you get two opposite <laughs> views, don't you, yeah. with uh, with BT and, and Chip Carey, and then on the Cubs side, you get Boog Shambi and Jim Deshays. BT was very upset about it. He couldn't understand why. He would be thrown out, and and here you hear the Cubs like, "Oh, that's weak. That's weak. Mm-hmm. Why would he do that?" You know why he did it. You you all have watched enough baseball to Dude, understand. Played. He was a pitcher. They understand <laughs> why you protect your guys. If somebody throws it up up and into Albert in in the mid two thousands, you you better Good believe yep. so your next at bat you're going to get it as well. So this is part of the game. They understand it. And again, he didn't hit him hard. He hit him in a good location. And, and yeah. slap his wrist and go on and play the game. And Jim Deshays played when baseball was a better sport. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's forgotten that. Maybe he has moved on. Because the, what happened last night is baseball circa 2023. The, you do get thrown out for hitting a guy on yeah. the hip with a pitch that could never hurt him. And yeah. that's, that's just the way umpires go, and that's the way the game is now. Well, and then Ollie gets thrown out as he's walking down the stairs. He's turned yeah. and walks away, and then he gets thrown out as well, which... I have an issue when umpires or referees put themselves in the game. No one, as much as important as you are to the game, not a single person. Well, I won't say that because you have family there. You have family sometimes that show up to games. They paid a ticket to watch you. Other than that, <laughs> no one else did. No. Understand your importance and your role. You are vital to every game. But no one, again, Ten people, maybe. 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 maybe you got ten people And they there. didn't pay for those tickets, by the they, way. You they, got them you for them. You got them the tickets. <laughs> they didn't pay to come watch you up or referee. Right, Stay right. the hell out of the way, man. It's not about you. And I think sometimes their ego does get involved in the game. And it's an emotional game. So you, you can understand certain aspects of it. But this right here. Is, is pretty much ridiculous. <laughs> now, Miles Michaelis did buzz the tower first, and the rule is that the umpires can throw you out without a warning. So did he deserve to be thrown out? Uh, yeah, you know, I was a little surprised. Um, you know, I, you know, threw a pitch inside, you know, it got him, and, uh, you know, he was just, he was just going to take his base. You know, there was there was no chirping or anything um, between sides. He was going to take his base, and I was waiting on, 
on the next ball, go get the next hitter. And, um, you know, they had a meeting and, and decided to toss me. And that, uh, yeah, was a, a response to the question, were you surprised when you were thrown out? And he shouldn't have been surprised. I, I get that he, he he's going to ha- say what he's going to say. But you also have to understand that the umpires, they don't want, the umpires want control. And that's what baseball's done. Rather than have the players police the game, the umpires are policing the game now. And they don't really know how to do it. The crew chief, Lance Barksdale, said, hey, we, we have the ability to do this if we want. And it's it, to, for me, it goes back to ultimately what Brad Thompson said, is the umpires not having a real feel for the game because Ian Happ wasn't hurt. Guys get hit. It's part of baseball. And, and if you had an issue, they should have said they should have issued a, a warning after the inside pitch, the pitch before that where he went up and in. They should have. You should have read the room at that point yeah. of what he was going yep. to do. He was, it was, it was clear that he was trying to hit him, uh, and then the next time he t- threw it a little bit lower, hit him in the hip, and, and said, "Okay, take your base." Yep. Uh, we'll, we're going to talk more trade rumors coming up here, but we want to get to this one. An article by Jorge Castillo in the L.A. Times suggests that the Dodgers are hot and heavy after Nolan Arnato, and that Nolan Arnato would give up his no-trade clause to go to the Dodgers. And Alden Gonzalez from ESPN was asked about the possibility of the Dodgers trading for Nolan Arnato. Nolan Arenado has been a name that's been thrown out there. He would waive his no-trade clause to play for the Dodgers, but people believe that it's unlikely that the Cardinals trade him. We'll see. The Dodgers have the, Dodgers have the type of pitching that could sway a team like the Cardinals to give up a franchise cornerstone like Nolan Arenado. He is a franchise cornerstone. The Cardinals are not in the business of trading away Hall of Famers. I, I can't remember in my lifetime the Cardinals trading away an established Hall of Fame player. So I would be absolutely stunned if they would do it. And I just don't think there's enough real stuff there. With the article, they talk about the the three young pitchers and Max Muncie and, and Chris Taylor you get three or four young pitchers that haven't succeeded at the major league level and Max Muncy and Chris Taylor, that's not enough. If you get a six for one, that's not enough for Nolan Arnauto. You got to get a Cy Young Award winner back. Well, you can't get just prospects back. And I think that's kind of been my whole issue throughout this trade deadline is what do you get in return? If you are, you're talking about trading away two starting pitchers, well, now you need four of them or or three at at, at worst, at best case scenario. You're going to trade away your your future Hall of Fame third baseman, which I don't think anyone in the Cardinals organization has mentioned that at all. I think that's all coming from L.A. That's wishful thinking on their part. They're trying to put the narrative out there. And, you know, anytime you put something on the Internet, people believe that it's true. So that's kind of what's taking place here. But what would you get in return for Nolan Arenado? It would have to be an ace. It would have to be a number two and a number three and a couple of position players. If that's the route you were going, I don't think the Cardinals have a desire to do that. I think the the Dodgers definitely yeah. would love to see yeah. that happen, but I don't think the Cardinals have the desire to do that. I don't think the desire or the stomach yeah. because they're still trying to sell tickets. And if you've got a bunch of season ticket holders, how do you tell them, okay, we're better off, you're better off spending a bunch of money for season tickets if we don't have Nolan Arnauto on the team? How do you yeah, tell you, them that? You, you can't do that. No. The so. Cardinal fans are, are way too intelligent for that. I would say so. And especially yep. for the, the, the remainder of this season, you would just be able to cancel it. You, you wouldn't have packed houses. No one would want to show up for yeah. that. Uh, 
last night over at City Park, City SC takes it on the chin. Uh, but you know what, Gary? At least it was to Club America, USA, USA, well, well, hold on, USA. Hold on, Randy, 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 Randy. There are, are three countries in North America. Uh, it's so there's a league it's, called M- Liga MAX. This is Club America. It doesn't say Club North America. No, no, no. It, yeah, but they still imply. Technically, Randy, this is a team from Mexico. Technically, the name of the club is Club Football de America, and if you translate that with the accent over the E, it actually translates to Football Club of the Americas. There you go. Not of America. Okay, well, I live in America. You, so, you live you in the Americas. You live in the Americas. I believe I live in the United States of America. That's true. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Don't go there. Don't, don't, put, a, don't, don't put a U in there. <laughs> oh, we're putting the U in there. America. So <laughs> there were some unhappy people yesterday. So you're, you're telling me I shouldn't be happy about that 4 nothing, 4 nil uh, clean sheet for Club Americas. Over, and why do if if the translation is Club Americas, why don't they call it Club Americas? Because that's not because that's the translation. We, we say the name in Spanish. Well, it the says name Club in, America, so Club. it should be Club Americas if that's the translation. Well, should it not? Randy, things don't always. My translate. keyboard doesn't. My keyboard doesn't do the e. Okay. Well, City SC lost to them 4-0. <laughs> Whoever them are. It was a, <laughs> wherever they're from. Right. <laughs> remember, in America, yeah, not, not USA. Jake Zivin told us on Wednesday who they are is the biggest yeah. club. So, hence the name, the biggest club in the America. Undoubtedly the biggest one yeah. in North America. I'm pretty sure yeah, if you, South America if you include well. all of Brazil well. and Argentina, Argentina, the other big so leagues, if, if, they're still bigger. If they're the biggest, then what we need <laughs> is a Bill Parcells protege so that we can get a bigger club. So <laughs> we can go. have the, the Andy Heddens and the Carl Banks and the Lawrence their Taylors st- of the world. Their stadium capacity is like 115. Okay, That's great. Thousand. I, I, nice. I, I want bigger. I, I want to have a 200,000? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can you imagine playing? Can you imagine going to City Park and instead of it being City Park, it's the Big House? There you go. It's gonna be loud in there. Great. Yeah. So there, we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Carrie and Randy with you, and uh, Matthew is here as well. Later on in the show, we're going to talk to Chip, Carrie, and uh, on the 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 101 on Sports coming up on Sunday night. I've got an interview with Chris Long, and Chris used to pull some great pranks and uh, we're going to hear those later on in the show at 9:30 here on 101 ESPN and up next in addition to the Nolan Arenado rumors a lot more rumors happening in major league baseball with the trade deadline on Tuesday we're going to talk to you about some of them next on 101 ESPN you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers And uh, yes, the Cardinals did trade away Ted Simmons, he of the Hall of Fame. Hey, I don't think he was a lock for the Hall of Fame, though, when the Cardinals traded him. As a matter of fact, it took him 40 years to make the Hall of Fame after he after the Cardinals did trade him. But yes, he is a Hall of Famer. And uh, that was a different time, too. The Cardinals were... Uh, they didn't think, Whitey Herzog didn't think that he could win with Ted Simmons behind the plate. He goes out and signs Daryl Porter to be his catcher, and then goes out and uh, makes a deal to rid himself not only of Simmons, but of uh, Pete Vukovic, who won a Cy Young. And then they also uh, included Raleigh Fingers in that trade, and Fingers wound up winning a Cy Young and an MVP for the Brewers as well. And then people brought up Scott Rowland as well. And I think uh, uh, 
I think Scott Rowland would have been an absolute lock had he not gotten hurt in 2005. But the fact of the matter was he did. And so the Cardinals traded him after 2007. And I don't think after 2007 with the shoulder injury, number one, the Cardinals didn't think he was going to be able to bounce back because they thought that it was uh, essentially a career ender. And he wound up having multiple good years for Toronto and then Cincinnati at the end of his career. And those were the numbers that really put him over the top to get into the Hall of Fame, even though he had won the World Series here. But points well taken about... Both Simmons and and Roland being traded and being in the Hall of Fame, but this is a guy that's healthy at the height of his career, and at 32 years old, I don't think that the Cardinals, this ownership of the Cardinals, is really interested in, in moving that guy. I think they've kind of been embarrassed enough, CD. I, yeah, I, there's a, there's enough former Cardinals out there. I don't think they need to have another one floating around for one of the best franchises in the National League. I, I, and I think if Nolan Arenado were to retire today, he would be in the Hall of Fame. I agree it, with it, that. It's, it's, I mean, he's a 10-time Gold Glove winner, 8-time All-Star. He would be in the Hall of Fame if it all ended today, and he still has plenty of time left in his career. So um, so I do agree with you. I, I don't think that Nolan is, is one of those pieces that they are actually considering trading. And I, I think the Cardinals are in a tough spot right now because everyone in the league can obviously look at their prospects. They can look at their farm system. They can see what they have laying in the weights. And, and so the Cardinals are – trying to push out this narrative about Paul DeYoung and push out the narrative about Tyler O'Neill maybe being traded. And now teams are saying, yeah, we know you want to get rid of those guys. We mm-hmm. know what you need as well. You want pitching. You need starting pitching. You need prospects. You need an ace. Yeah, give us the good guys. <laughs> give us Nolan Gorman. Give us Nolan Arenado. Give us the guys that you don't want to trade as yeah. opposed to the guys that you do want to trade because we're not going to return what you want for – guys that you don't want on your roster or guys that you're, that you're not able to pay in the coming years. So let's touch on a couple of things. Number one, a report yesterday from our friend John Denton over at uh, MLB.com that the Cardinals were exploring an extension with Jack Flaherty. Derek Gould saying that they tried that, the Cardinals did, in spring training, and they weren't able to really get any traction. So according to Derek Gould, there's really no talks with Flaherty going on at the moment that would keep him in a Cardinal uniform. And it also appears that the talks about Jordan Hicks signing an extension, which came about well while the Cardinals were in Arizona, his representatives are in Arizona, they've stalled as well. So at the moment, as we sit here, 721 on July 28th, with the trade deadline being August 1st, those guys aren't tied to the Cardinals, and presumably the Cardinals would take phone calls on them. Yeah, I mean, you would have to because you don't want to lose them for nothing in free agency. And and if it, it does make sense to me, the, the fact that they were conversing with Jordan Hicks' representative saying, hey, we would like you to be here, he has done a really good job. And you don't let someone with that much potential just walk out the door. I, I've said this time and time again. It doesn't matter what sport it is. When a guy has the, the the stuff, when he is a known talent and a guy that can be a superstar in the league, you don't just say, ah, you know what, unless there are issues that are causing headaches, off-the-field issue, things that, mm-hmm. that are causing you to, to look at this player or, or causing your team to be in a light that you don't want them to be in. Jordan Hicks has not been any of that. He's been a very good baseball player, had some control issues. He walks some people at times, but all in all, you don't find guys that can throw 104 miles per hour and just say, we're going to let them go. And then you look at uh, Jack Flaherty, you kind of got the same situation. You got five, You need five starters, 
if you let him and Montgomery go, we talked about it yesterday, who is going to be in this rotation? It's going to be some prospects that we don't know from organizations mm-hmm. that we are just getting here, or it's going to be McGreevy, it's going to be Graceffo, it's going to be Zach Thompson, it's going to be Dakota Hudson, which or Matthew Libertor, which we've seen some of them, and maybe you're excited about it, maybe you're not. You don't know what you're getting from them either, so... Resigning Jack Flaherty makes a lot of sense to me as well. Ken Rosenthal writing this morning that the Mariners bar for a deal to get, for example, Logan Gilbert, one of their young starting pitchers, would be rather high. Uh, they would want, if they they got, if they were to to move Logan Gilbert, they would want a bat that could help them get to the playoffs this year. Yeah. They've already seen what Tyler O'Neill is. They know Tyler O'Neill. I don't know that at the moment that the Cardinals would have what the Mariners would be looking for because the Mariners would be looking for Nolan Gorman. And <laughs> that's that's just not going to happen. But they want a middle infielder or a third baseman that can slug. And the Cardinals, well, right now, Brendan Donovan can't play second base and Nolan Gorman isn't going anywhere. So I don't think the Cardinals and the Mariners match up. And I know that you don't feel like the Cardinals, if Nolan Gorman's included, match up with anybody. Nah. And I I, I, I agree with that. When you watch what he's capable of doing, he's similar to Jordan Hicks. The potential to be a superstar, you see it. A guy that is going to hit 40 home runs at some point in his career. A guy that is going to do everything. Very, very good things, probably potentially all-stars, all-star games. And he's a guy that has all of the things that you want for a DH, left-handed power hitting. You want this guy in your lineup. If you're the St. Louis Cardinals, we talked about it yesterday. Who is the real, who is the last lefty power hitter that they've had? We, we've we tried to figure it out. You said, was it Brandon, Brandon Moss? Moss? Yeah, was 37 the last home one? runs, yeah. That, that's that's not a name that would be the first name of, of most baseball people other than here in St. Louis. So when you talk about Nolan Gorman, he has superstar potential. You don't let that 35, 40 home runs walk out the door. There's a couple of teams in the National League Central that are making moves. The uh, Milwaukee Brewers picked up Carlos Santana from the Pirates, and the Brewers are all, are also among the teams interested in uh, Jaime Candelario from the Washington Nationals. So the Brewers trying to fortify themselves for a stretch run here. Well, yeah, they they are uh, they're a pretty good team this year. They're doing really well. Yeah, un- unlike the Cardinals, and so you know it makes sense for them to try to. It, it's interesting. They they did this last year when they got rid of Josh Hader. Right? They were. I guess planning for the future when everyone was like, well, what the hell are we doing? They had the, the hater hangover mm-hmm. when they traded them. They weren't performing really well. But I guess it, it made sense. They knew that Devin Williams was going to be really good, and so they felt like they could move on. And now I, I think you're start, starting to see them reap the benefits of that. Wait, Randy, you shouldn't just ship out MVPs when you have a down year? This is some, true. Because sometimes they, they hit the ball pretty, pretty well <laughs> later on in the career because, you know, they, they were MVPs at once and they kind of have skill. Yeah. Okay. I'm just taking a look at that squad and seeing what our surgeon Christian Yelich has done for them. Mm-hmm. And hmm. Seems like you don't want to trade away MVPs or, you know, maybe guys who finish second or third in the MVP. Just throwing it yep. out there. And by the way, one other note from our friend Bob Nightingale from USA Today. The odds of Cardinals third baseman Nolan Arenado waving his no trade clause for a trade to his hometown Dodgers, 100%. The odds of the Cardinals trading Nolan Arenado anywhere, 1%. And I believe that the Cardinals would have to be completely overwhelmed. And it would have to be a deal where there was virtually no risk. And anytime you're trading for prospects, there is risk involved. I don't believe I am extremely sure 
that the Cardinals would not trade Nolan Arenado in a deal for prospects. You you couldn't. But what would you get back from the Dodgers if that's the team? Obviously, you you would probably want a couple of those prospects. I think they have. I know they had like four or five top one hundred. I think three of yeah. those were pitchers. Um, but what you would want a couple of those prospects. But what player on their roster do you think the Cardinals could get back? I, and I know you, you Walker Bueller is is a name yep. that you love. I don't love it because if you're coming off of a second Tommy John injury, eh? It, 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 what? I would much rather keep Jack Flaherty if that's the case. But other than than those guys, who would you say that the Cardinals could get back and be well, excited about? There's a couple of things that I would do. Number one, I would want all of the the top thirty. Well, I, I would want their top three pitching prospects. Yes, uh, because. I, I, I want to start there, but I'm not so sure they're going to be great. I mean, there's been a lot of trades where teams have moved top pitching prospects. But uh, Gavin Stone, Bobby Miller, Emmett Sheehan are, are names. I would want Bueller. I would want Chris Taylor. But then the other thing I would want is their catcher, Will Smith. And by the way, two of their three top prospects in L.A. are catchers. But Will Smith is an established guy already, and I, I would want him to put behind home plate, and then I would want them to take the entire Contreras contract. I'd, I'd, I'd include Contreras, and I'd want them to take the entire Contreras contract. And then if Ivan Herrera winds up being a solid player, I've still got him. And I, I I have more good players. But if I can get a, a catcher that is right now one of the two or three best defensive catchers in the league and has an 878 OPS, that's the direction I would want to go. And you, Will Smith has been very, very consistent. you got to be careful, Randy. You're going to talk some people into this. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not because of the Wilson the, Contreras, uh, uh, the, the him being a part of it. Mm-hmm. I, if you were to, but I, I don't feel like you lose. You're losing two of your guys in that lineup, and that's the part that I'm looking at as well. You're going to get pitching in return. Obviously, we know that that's a requirement, but you're losing a a a MVP candidate, and you're losing a an All Star catcher, and mm-hmm. you're, you're you're planning on getting one in return. But I, I just feel like that's a lot. But it does make sense when you say it that way. Getting some some pitching in return, getting a catcher in return, if you're going to move Wilson Contreras as well. I don't think the Cardinals would have the guts to move Nolan and Wilson at the same time to the same place. Well, and you that might, would feel like too much. Yeah, and you'd ha- the Dodgers would have to pay all the money because they have an unlimited budget. They would have to pay all of the the freight to buy those two no trade clauses too. But what Will Smith, uh, let me just give you his uh, his career stats. He's and this year's two eighty six, thirteen homers, fifteen uh, fifty two RBIs, eight seventy eight career OPS, and his career. Is uh, an 861 OPS. He's a he's a great player and he's terrific behind the plate. But I don't know that the Dodgers would would do that. It would be a big ask. And if I'm you're, you're doing a seven for two at that point, you're getting That's a lot. Yeah, you, but the two you're getting, well, well the one and uh, yeah. yeah, say two, yeah, and two all stars. And I don't. This is nothing against Wilson Contreras, but I would want to have that money available so that I can go pursue more pitching during this yeah. offseason. Yeah, I mean, Randy, you sound like you can talk yourself into that. Oh, I, if if you, but that feels but bad. You know what the Brooke, Dodgers Brooke it, talks it, about the puke point that yeah. that trading Nolan Arenado feels yeah. like a point where people would want to throw up. But if I'm the Dodgers, and I get that ask, I say no. For really? a 32-year-old and, and having to give up Will Smith, even though two of my three top prospects are catchers, if I have to give up Smith and Taylor and Bueller and then three relief pitchers, that is going – or three uh, prospect pitchers, it's a pretty 
Too much? Pretty big haul if you're trying to make the playoffs <laughs> this year. That's uh, Kerry. I'm Randy, and that's the latest on MLB trade rumors. Coming up, our buddy Jay Delsing talking some golf on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The merger of the PGA and the Saudi private investment fund may be causing more problems than anticipated by both sides. Yesterday, the Senate Finance Committee introduced legislation that would revoke the PGA Tour's tax-exempt status and deem Saudi Arabia's public investment fund ineligible for lucrative tax breaks. This according to Golf Digest, who write, Senator Ron Wyden from Oregon, chairman of the committee, announced that the two bills... The Sports League Tax-Exempt Status Limitation Act and the Ending Tax Breaks for Massive Sovereign Wealth Funds Act. The tour exists as a 501c6 organization, a status that bestows tax exemptions for professional sports leagues and chambers of commerce. The PGA Tour is the largest sports group with this status after the NFL and Major League Baseball surrendered their exemptions regarding PIF. U.S. law exempts sovereign wealth funds and similar foreign government investment funds from a 30% withholding tax on payments such as dividends and interest. That would go by the wayside if, indeed, Senator Wyden gets his way. It's... uh, it's obviously something that the PGA didn't foresee, giving Mm -hmm. up their status as as a 501c6 when they made essentially a sale of themselves to the private investment fund. But you never want the Senate to get involved when you're talking about your dollars. You don't want anybody in the government involved in your money, Randy. No. no, As much as you can keep them out as possible, you would greatly appreciate that. Let's go to the... No, we don't have Jay yet. We're going to get Jay. Here's the other part of it. I I was going to ask you, with the, if I'm not mistaken, the NFL gave up their 501c6. Is it C3 or C6? They gave up their tax exemption because they didn't want to continue to have their funds being publicized. They wanted it to be private. Goodell and the the owners didn't want the public to know how much money they were actually taking in. And so they let it go for that purpose. And this has happened in the last eight years since the Rams left. They... The NFL was a nonprofit. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the NFL office in New York was considered a nonprofit organization. Uh, where the commissioner had said, "We want to reach twenty-five billion dollars yes. in revenue," yet they were considered nonprofit. And golf is considered the same way. The PGA Tour, because they do provide a lot of money for charities throughout America, the, the PGA Champions Tour right here in St. Louis. We see how much money is contributed from the Ascension Charity Classic to charities in North County. But 
there's a problem when you're dealing with the Saudis. I think that's what this comes down to is this senator doesn't want the Saudis to be a part of the PGA Tour. And I'll be interested to see, because the deal isn't official yet. It's not done yet. I'll be interested to see if this deal winds up going through. Yeah, it's intriguing because that deal came about and no one knew that it was happening. Then we saw Jay Monahan on TV. He looked like physically ill. He looked like he had gone through the ringer to either keep this deal a secret or or to just the inner workings of the entire thing. And so now you're looking at it and the government is saying, well, no one knew about this. We didn't know. And again, as you said, Randy, we don't want this particular group of people involved in anything financial with the with the United States, with America. And by the way, we're having a difficult time of getting a hold of Jay Delsing because uh, he can't get a good cell connection right now. I want to give you one more note from uh, Senator Wyden's uh, bills. And this is uh, Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon. It, Part of the bill reads, quote, most of America's big pro sports leagues gave up their tax exemptions voluntarily when their revenues climbed into the stratosphere and they hadn't even shamed themselves with Saudi (laughs) blood money. An organization that betrays its own word and agrees to become a profit generator for Saudi Arabia's brutal regime has disqualified itself for a tax exemption. He uh, goes on to write, many of the biggest sovereign wealth funds out there belong to countries that do not have our interests at heart, and there's no good reason for hardworking American taxpayers to have to subsidize their huge profits. Obviously, this is very political and very jingoistic on his part, but it's also not wrong. Yeah, it's I could see the PGA Tour saying, you know what, this isn't worth our trouble. And I don't know whether it's going to be Monaghan or somebody else in charge, but I could see the Tour saying, you know what, I don't want to fight with the the U.S. Senate. Let's just break this thing up and let's move on. What are some of the benefits? Like you said, the NFL and other sports leagues have decided to relinquish relinquish their their tax exemption. What are some of the benefits if the PGA does decide to do that? Because if the other sports programs are... are, uh, fields have decided to do that. Why wouldn't the PGA? And I think now that we know, we can. Here's the difference, though. Pretty much every tournament the PGA Tour has provides charitable funds, legitimate charitable funds in the city that they're playing Mm -hmm. in. That didn't happen on a regular basis in the NFL. Now, were were the Rams a huge contributor here to charitable endeavors? Yes. Go ahead. I was going to say, the NFL finds us money, and I don't know where the money goes. I have no clue. Like, there is not a, a you can't donate your money that you're fined to a specific organization. I don't know where it goes. Maybe they know now. I never knew Probably where not. that pot when they find you for your socks or for not wearing the proper gear. No one knows for being. No one knows where that money goes to. I it, it, maybe I just don't know because I've been out of the loop. Right, and I do think. No, I, I think you're right. I, think, I do think specific, well, to, to baseball and to football, while they do charitable things in each individual city, the the tax-exempt status came at their offices yes. in New York. Yes, And I think that's one of the, it, it was concrete. It was, it's, it's well known what the PGA Tour does. I think it's really hard to, to go to Major League Baseball and say, okay, what is Major League Baseball in New York doing charitably? Mm-hmm. We know your individual teams are doing right. it, which are owned by other people. But what, what is the league? What, what is Roger Goodell and his staff doing? How are you contributing to charity? And I think that's one of the things that, the government wondered and why they said, you know what, we'll just give it up. Yeah. It's not worth it to yeah. us. And maybe charging the government to have do flyovers. 
had something to do with that. Yeah, too. that wasn't great. That wasn't really a... It's, taking money... America! Yeah. yeah. It's called a marketing budget. It's called Jeez. America. Yeah. So, from, yeah. the, from the military? Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's honor our troops to the tune of $250,000. You pay us to fly over to entertain us. Yeah. Yeah. America. Amazing. So anyway, it'll be interesting to see... And I kind of think right now, based on the pressure that's being applied, I don't think that this live PGA Tour thing is going to go. I, I can't imagine. Now, why would the Saudis stop? There's no good reason for them to stop. But if you're the PGA Tour, unless you're just completely beholden now to the to the PIF, I wonder if the PGA Tour goes through with this. Uh, we'll see if we can uh, get Jay later on. But coming up next, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line. 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo-ho! We've got Take It or Leave It coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text in test 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. With Kerry Davis and Matthew Rocchio, I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Brooke Grimsley is out today. She'll rejoin Kerry on Monday. I'm out Monday, and we'll all be together again on Tuesday. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. All right, CD, we've already established here that Tom Brady has a new love interest. It's model Irina Shake, a Russian love interest. Uh, could be a, like in a Bond movie or something like that. I did not know this, though, however. Irina Shake has a baby with former beau Bradley Cooper, who apparently still wants to rekindle his romance with her and even expand the family. Take it or leave it as a prelude to one of the UFC matches. We need a UFC cage match between Bradley Cooper and Tom Brady. Take it. Yeah, yeah take totally it. take it. Why not? What yeah. what, what are we? What, what are an we? undercard. <laughs> Put it. You can do it this weekend. Mm-hmm. Spence and uh, okay. Bud Crawford are fighting. Get them in there. Set the cage up and let them yeah. go to it. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> and evidently, by the way, two things. Number one, Giselle uh, is. Uh, she wants Tom Brady to move on, but she isn't particularly happy that he chose her colleague, a fellow model. In Irina Shake, and what is it with Tom Brady? And uh, like he went Brazilian, he went Russian. Come on, Tom Brady, pick an American. America, this is America, Jack. Yeah, together. We, come on, you're America's sport, America's game. Come on, you are you are the the poster boy. Should be. At least you were. You you used to be the all American. You were. Guy. Now nah, you're the all Brazilian just, or all Russian. You're or just a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Jag. Also, uh, I'm taking Brady. Six four. Uh, three or four years younger, still has a little bit of that over Bradley, Cooper, over Bradley Cooper. Isn't Bradley Cooper from Philly? He's six one. Do you think years that, older. that matters? I think Brady's got the reach. I think Brady takes him down. Have you seen Tom Brady's body? Yeah, there's like a thirty percent chance that Bradley Cooper's right, like right now, like like cutting weight to be an emaciated crackhead in a movie, and so nah. like there's a chance that Tom Brady nah. gets him on the lower side, and then so, he just sits there with the reach, Gary. I, the reach. I, no, for those of us that have been just around, you know. Nah. 
There's an old, old saying, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. Yeah, I'm taking Brady. fighting the dog. There you I'm go. I'm taking Brady on that yeah. one. Okay. You're crazy. The, man, the man's yeah. going to put down the strawberry ice cream and pick up the, and pick up the guacamole ice cream all over again. I'll Tom Brady is going is. to talk him out of it. That's what he's going to do. He's, he's going to he's gonna have a conversation, and they're not going to fight because of that. Like 03 and 04, 1-2. Mm. No. <laughs> 03 and 04. I'm going to – so I don't know if you saw this. I admit you all saw this. Joe Burrow was carted, carted off of Ouch. the field yesterday with, a, with an apparent calf injury. If Joe Burrow is out for a prolonged amount of time, mm-hmm. take it or leave it, the Baltimore Ravens are the AFC North champions. Take it, yes. You take that even yep. without him being injured. And yeah, by the way, uh, I woke up at three this morning with an apparent calf injury. <laughs> <laughs> did it wake you up out of your sleep? Sure did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the words that were coming out of your mouth oh, yeah. at three a.m. Like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> you ever had that happen? Oh yeah, yeah. There's nothing worse than being woken up from a cramp, like oh, in the Charlie middle. Horse Charlie Horse just ah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't, the I don't the miss two, that. The problem with yeah. is like you're groggy. So like which way do I gotta stretch my leg? No. And like and like you try to stretch it one way and it makes it worse. It makes you feel like you're you're something is bad happening, especially mm-hmm. when you're asleep and yeah. it wakes you up. It pulls and like oh okay, I'm, I'm not gonna survive this at all. Yeah, yeah. Take it or leave it. This trade deadline is gonna really hurt bad, and the Cardinals trade away a star. An, uh, uh, an eventual star, young star, yeah, potential yeah, star. I, I, if they want to get. A starting pitcher, an ace, they're going to have to trade away a star. And not and I'm not talking Goldschmidt or or Arenado. I'm talking someone that you really like watching or would really well, enjoy watching in the future. Kerry, I think they're gonna trade away a guy that they don't think is a star that is. Who is that? I think that's Carlson. I think Carlson's gonna wind up if he winds up in New York, he's gonna be an all star. I don't player. think you get so an ace for Carlson though. No, I don't the, think so. That's either. the, the that's if they want an ace. They're going to have to trade away Gorman, Walker, Newt, and establish. I don't think they'll do that. Uh-huh. Randy, we'll see you next year. What's yeah. our record right now? Uh, well, we would have to go fifty and four to win hundred games. What, what, what are we? Forty something and that's it's, over, it's not great. That's happened before. <laughs> I don't think it's ever happened before. That has not happened, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, yeah, the Cardinals would have to go right now. They're forty six and fifty eight. This is new positive. So you go fifty four and four. And you win 100 games. You go uh, 162. So 44 and 14, by my math, is 90 and 72. Over under 87 wins for the 2024 Cardinals. 87. Right now, as we speak, I'm going to play the under. That's a good number, though. Yep. We have a lot of confidence. The other problem we have is that uh, Reds better, Pirates better, Cubs will be better. So about the Brewers. Brewers are still going to be. We, we they get O'Neill Cruz they back. They're going to win the championship this year, Randy. They yeah. were going to win it. Johan yeah. Oviedo is going to be a monster next year. <laughs> He's a monster this year. Just <laughs> well, can't pitch. Gets a lot of starts. Hard hitting uh, Mark Witten is on TV. Oh, Four home runs. Hard hitting Mark Witten. Yep. I love that nickname. Uh, take it or leave it. I will make it to the back nine of Norwood Hills Country Club without getting heat stroke. I start at 8.30 a.m. I will take that. You will. 8.30? Yeah, you will. I'll is leave it because you're going to stop. Is no, it the championship well, course or, it. You or won't not. make it. Stay hydrated. No, no, no. Just, no, stay. All you have to do is what? here's What's the thing. The drink, drink a bottle of water per hole. And if you stay hydrated, you'll be fine. 
What's the temperature right now? It's in the we 90s, are. I think. It's 83 right 83. now. Oh, you see, what time does he eight, what time does he start? Tea time. You're fine. 9 a.m. The temperature is going to be 86. By noon, it's going to be 95, which you're probably still going to be out there if you're on the back nine. Yeah, nine. You're going to be you, you're going to be you're moving fine. slow. Yeah, you're fine though. It's hit him well. And you know what? When the ball is warm, it goes farther. So have a great day. Take it or leave it. If the Cardinals are willing to trade either Nolan Arenado or Paul Goldschmidt, they should be willing to trade both. Leave it. Uh, That's an interesting take. I, I will. I will take that. Yeah, I'll, I'll absolutely. Especially if it's the if you're willing to trade Arenado, yep. you have to be willing to trade Goldschmidt. I don't think it goes the other way around. If you're willing to trade Goldschmidt, numbers, age, positioning, I think there's a logic to maybe not wanting to go both that way. But if yep. you're willing to trade Arenado. You take it. You got to be willing to go right. the full bore and, and go with Goldschmidt. And I think people would be well advised to remember what the Cardinals gave up for Arenado and Goldschmidt. I th- and that was when those guys were much more established. Well, not, much younger than they are now. I won't say much more established, but much younger than they are now. And look at what the Cardinals gave up for those two guys, because that's probably about what you could expect to get. If you trade both Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, you're going to have the youngest team in Major League Baseball yes, next year. Yep. I mean, because Wayne Wright will be off. You'll have both of those guys over their 30s will be off. It's going to be a team full of 22, 25-year-olds. Right. With, unfortunately, for whatever reason, a, a, a Major League team who has seen a deterioration in good fundamental play over the last several years. It happens with young players. It does. A young yeah. team like that, they're going to be all about speed. They're stealing home now. Oh, yeah. Double steals. Woo. There you go. Yeah. There you go. That's true. Okay. Uh, take it or leave it. Bradley Cooper transported a live tiger to Mike Tyson's house. I'm taking him. <laughs> you Fair should, enough. You should take, you should take it. Strong yeah. point. Yep. Well done. I don't think you want to mess with Bradley Cooper. I, I, I don't think Tom Brady wants to mess with Bradley Cooper. I don't think so either. What is your opinion, why, what is your opinion on like Bradley he Cooper being a, a scary individual? Here's the, it's not him. It's he's a quarterback, man. Quarterbacks oh, are not oh, physical oh, oh, beings. Oh, oh, oh. They aren't physical oh. people. They wear red jerseys in practice. They mm. never get hit. And the actor they really, never get touched. The actor's the hardcore one. The quarterback is not the hardcore one. There's one in Michigan that wears cleats on the sidelines with his khaki pants. He was a quarterback. Nobody gives a damn about your damn cleats okay. on the sideline. You're so, not tackling anybody. No, no goat yeah. factor into it. Eh, yeah. Come on. Okay. Question, Mr. Fullback. How do you feel about the coaches that give the quarterback the gold jersey? Uh, yeah, uh, and sometimes you have to. Like Mahomes because, wears gold because of their team colors. I, I well, get it, but that happened. To you. I, I don't remember who it was, but Sam wore a gold jersey. Well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That should be red. Their their colors are yeah. blue and gold. Why would he get a gold jersey? And everyone, that's yeah. weird. That's uh, weird because the, because they were treating the quarterback like he was a piece of gold. And do you know what defensive players want to do to quarterbacks, even their own quarterbacks? Mm-hmm. They want to rip them apart. Especially their own quarterbacks who got $50 million guaranteed before yeah, playing a snap. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That money could be allocated in other places. Yeah, it could. Uh, <laughs> take it or leave it. I'm not wrong in basking in this disaster of a season for the simple fact that it's forced the Cardinals to make uncomfortable decisions and reevaluate how they approach their spending and business. Take it. Have hey. they reevaluated it, though? Well, they, they, said Are they, they, they said they did, Kerry. Rock, what the hell does that mean? It means they're doing it, obviously. No, it's not what yeah. that means. And by the way, <laughs> I, 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 I think that I speak for many here in absolutely being very happy 
that uh, the Cardinals are going to adjust their spending because, I mean, Kerry, you look at the success that the Mets have enjoyed this year with all of the, the spending that they've done. That's where you have to get to, right? You need just to spend money. Frivolousness. Yeah, the Padres are, are 49 and 54. I think that's where we, as Cardinal fans, we, we all want to be where the Padres and the Mets are right we now. We would love to be there as opposed to where we are. I'll yeah. say that. Yeah, Maybe not with the money spent. Cardinals are, are three games behind the Mets and uh, three and a half behind the Padres. Huh. Uh, and the the Padres are 16 and a half out in the, uh, well, let me get the latest wild cards for you. Uh, in the wild card race, your San Diego Padres, yikes, uh, they're six and a half out <laughs> and the Mets are seven out. So, and, and by the way, the best records in the league, uh, the Atlanta Braves have the best record in the league and uh, they their payroll is, well, top 10, certainly not right there with San Diego or the uh, the Mets. Uh, the other teams with the best records in the league are the Dodgers who spend a lot, Brewers who don't spend a lot, Giants who haven't spent a lot, Philadelphia who has. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think the the answer is to try to get as close to what the Mets and the Padres are as possible. I feel like I might know how this texture would feel about a Nolan Gorman trade. Take it or leave it. Nolan Gorman will hit more home runs than Bryce Harper over the next five seasons. Oh, totally take that. No doubt. You can't how trade, away, is Bryce that? You can't trade away that kind of left-handed power. How old is Bryce Harper? He's 32, 33. Oh, he's, yeah. We can take that. Uh, he oh, excuse me. He, he turns thirty-one in October. Okay, he's only thirty, always. but he's always hurt. Yes. Uh, so yeah, and Gorman will hit more home runs than Harper. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. He only yeah. has five home runs in. Uh, he's only three hundred at bats this year. But but I'm just saying is he had eighteen home runs and three hundred seventy at bats last year. He has five and three hundred this year. Really, he's he, yeah, but he, he has three hundred at bats. Uh, last year he had three hundred seventy. I'm talking about this year. He's oh, got three hundred at bats this two, year. He's at two fifty-seven, two ninety-eight oh. plate appearances. I didn't know he had that many. I thought he was a. Uh, yeah, his average is up 10 points, but it, but his slugging's down 100. But he's coming back from Tommy John, yeah. so, I mean, you can get it. As noted last night on the telecast by Chip Carey, it appears to me that Andrew Kisner has three more home runs than Bryce Harper. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Look at that. How about Andrew Kisner? How about he's that? He's a stud. Take it or leave it. You'd be okay with that kind of power behind the, uh, oh. the oh. plate a, a few take times that. next year. Let's, let's, take that. Let's stop. No. What, no, what, what no, 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 no. Because you, no, like, no. you get like no, stop. 60 games of Kisner stop. and then like 90 games of Herrera. That leaves you like 15 games yeah. you got to fill in with your third catcher. Who is the third catcher? Uh, he's a guy who he, he'll play some outfield for you. He's yeah, no, I, for I'll you. pass. Uh, this is Wilson. <laughs> I think he's a solid, solid utility guy. Can I, can I read this one real Green quick? Gutty color? Sure. Green uh, Gutty color? From the 636. Whoa, 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 CD. I, was, I ran the wishbone and ran people over at quarterback. You, sir, were a running back. Yes, you were. You were not a quarterback. Yeah. You were not a quarterback. The wishbone quarterback is essentially another running back, but hats off to you. We love running backs at this show. Yes, we do. Yep. <laughs> a quarterback like Paul yep. Horning was a quarterback. Yep. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next, I'm 101 ESPN. If the Cardinals are going to trade the lowest ceiling player of those that are being talked about, who is it? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Three in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and time for today's fresh take. And as the Cardinals approach the trade deadline on Tuesday, 
It looks like Dylan Carlson is the odd man out, and the Cardinals have fallen in love with the idea of Tommy Edmond in center field. But, CD, I look at it, and Edmond did win a gold glove at second base, but I'm, I, I'm leaving that out here because it appears the Cardinals want him to play center field. If given my choice between Dylan Carlson in center field and Tommy Edmond in center field, even though Edmond has more speed, I would take Dylan Carlson. He plays a smooth center field. He's got a better arm. He's... Two years, uh, he's younger. Carlson is four years younger. He's got two years of control remaining, and Carlson has three years remaining. Edmund has two years of control remaining. Carlson has three years of control remaining. I think if I were the Cardinals and everything else was equal, I would be inclined to try to move Tommy Edmund before Dylan Carlson. Uh, I. You, Dylan Carlson has probably has more upside, more potential than than what Tommy Edmond has. As you said, you talked about the the ability to the the strength of the arm in the outfield, the ability the ability to cover as much ground. I think Tommy Edmond is faster and and can cover more ground than Dylan Carlson. But Dylan does look smoother in the mm-hmm. outfield as opposed to kind of not as herky jerky. So, but I think when you keep Tommy Edmond you give yourself more flexibility because he can play center field, but he also is, a, as you said, a gold glove second baseman. He can play shortstop. He can play second base. So you have more of that that flexibility in one person that can play three positions as opposed to one person that is just going to play center field for the most part. He can play corner outfield spots, but that center field spot is, is really where I think he's best at. The thing about Dylan Carlson is I know there's a fear of, of trading him away kind of the fear of Randy or Rosarina. What what can happen if you trade Dylan Carlson away? And the potential is there, but it also is potential that it doesn't ever hit its spot. So right. you kind of have to look at that. And, and if he does become a great baseball player, you, you tip your cap to him and say, good job, good for you. Uh, but hopefully you get something in return that is good or better than what you gave up. And, oh, by the way, in terms of war, for a long time, Tommy Edmond last year was one of the best war players in baseball. He was top three, and the Cardinals use war as a ranking system for players. In his full seasons in the majors, Carlson has had wars of 3.1, 2.0, and this year 0.7 for a 5.9 total war in four seasons. And if you do look at, uh, and people have difficulty in explaining to me how they do the math for war, but... If you look at Tommy Edmonds' best season from a war standpoint, again, this is a ranking system. He had a 6.3 in 2022. So you would think, okay, for one year, Edmonds' upside is greater because of that amazing 6.3 war. But I just look at the two players and use the eye test, and I still think that if I were going to move one, that I would move Tommy Edmonds. For me, Carlson is a guy that has a much better chance to play in an all-star game and be an impact player for you for many years. And he, and my thing is, if you have Brandon Donovan with the way he's hitting, and let's just assume right now that he doesn't have to get any kind of long-term um, work on his elbow and he's able to play in the field next year, you have Brandon Donovan who can play both of your middle infield spots. You have Mason Wynn coming up, and then you have Nolan Gorman also being able to play second base. I just feel like a lot of Tommy Edmonds' time in the future, if your outfield next year is O'Neal, Newt Barr, and Walker. and Walker, I just feel like there's a lot of center field in Tommy Edmonds' future. And so if you think about that and you just think about this guy's going to be playing in the outfield a lot, I think you just have to look at the upside factor with Carlson and not necessarily the positioning factor anymore. And if the Cardinals are going to go 
strikeout fly ball guys and reduce the need for great middle infield defense, i.e. Tommy Edmond playing second base, then that would, again, lend itself to Gorman playing second base and Tommy Edmond being moved. Tommy Edmond, by the way, when we talk about the pitchers that the Seattle Mariners would move, Tommy Edmond would be a great fit to replace, ironically, Colton Wong in Seattle because he does have all the elements that they're looking for in Seattle if, again, he reaches his upside. When I think about Dylan Carlson, I think about a guy that has potential to be an all-star but not a Hall of Famer. Yeah, He's a guy that, you know, I'm looking at, I don't know, this name popped in my head. Yesterday I was doing the Immaculate uh, Grid, Uh and Chili Davis was one of the names. And Chili Davis was a heck of a baseball player. Switch hitter, could hit three-time All-Star, but not one of the guys. Very, very good baseball player. Hall of very, very good, but not a Hall of Famer. And Dylan Carlson could be likened to someone like a Chili Davis, a person that plays for a long time, has a great career, but is not ever the superstar. Going to come up and do some things. At, at, and there's a lot of players, a lot of teams that would love to have a Chili Davis on their oh, team. Oh, yeah, I think it's a great comp. I think, I think Dylan Carlson is that for another organization or for this organization if given the opportunity to play every single day. And it sure feels like to me that he's the odd man out. When the Cardinals, when we hear about their infatuation with Lars Newtbar, and that's reasonable, and the fact that they want to give Tyler O'Neill a chance, don't know if that's very reasonable, and then you know Jordan Walker <laughs> is playing right, well, what's the point of having Dylan Carlson on your team if you aren't going to play him? And we've already established that the designated hitter is either going to be Gorman, if Carlson ever throws again, him, and then that'll be second base. DH will be one or the other, unless it's Contreras. So with the way they feel about their players, it doesn't seem like there's a spot for Dylan Carlson. That's the unfortunate part. I mean, you... I don't know that there's a spot for Tyler O'Neill either, but they seem to be making a way out of no way for Tyler O'Neill. And Dylan Carlson is is he seems to be the odd man out. And when we go to our bird watch next segment, I'm gonna mm-hmm. dig into some of these trade possibilities for the Cardinals. But he does feel like the odd man out, and you're going to have to I don't want to say suffer through as Cardinal fans, but you're going to have to accept the fact that he's going to go to two to three All-Star games, possibly yep. play on a winning team, a championship-type team where he's the center fielder and he's a key cog in a, in a lineup that allows that team to win a championship. All right, one other note here, and this uh, has been reported by multiple sources, that the uh, and latest from John Heyman in the New York Post, that the Padres would be interested in moving Juan Soto because... They would only have next year with Juan Soto before he becomes a free agent. And as we know, with Scott Boris, there's a strong likelihood that Soto would find his way into free agency next year. I don't think the Cardinals would have any interest, but would you have any interest in bringing Juan Soto to St. Louis? How much is he getting paid? Uh, He'll get $30 million next year. Can you spend that on a pitcher, please? Yeah. You got enough people to do the things that Juan Soto does. You you can figure this out. The, the, the lineup is not that big of a concern for me. It is the pitching, both starting and relievers. We have to figure that out if we have if, if we want to win more than 87 games next year. I, I think mm-hmm. that's the bottom line. And going into next season, without an established ace, without three of the five starters that you're going to need to play next next season, you're going to be in trouble. If you are relying solely on the prospects that are in Memphis or potentially coming from another organization via trade, this organization is going to be in the same exact spot as they are right now. Yes, they are. So (laughs) 
you keep Tommy Evan to play second base then. And you, Wait, here's your yep. here, here's the thing. Well, yeah. Where is Lars Newtbar in this? Center field. So Lars is your center fielder. Who's yep. your left fielder? O'Neal. Tyler O'Neill, Jordan For, Walker. When he's in, healthy. In right. And then Burleson when O'Neal is not healthy. Burleson was chugging around there for that double yesterday. He yeah, he was. He was. <laughs> so your infield is Arenado, Mason Wynn, Edmund, Goldie, and then Wilson Contreras. Wilson Contreras is, is here. One heck of a And your DH is, Nil, is uh, Nolan Gorman. Nolan Gorman. Yeah. One heck of a defensive infield. Yeah, we're going to be okay. And Brendan Donovan yeah. is going to is going to play in Super utility guy. 110 games. Yep. As a utility guy. And you just need to find pitching. But aren't But if you're going to be more of a swing and miss unless of a pitch to contact, doesn't that mean that there's more balls in the outfield than well, the infield? Well, here's the thing. It's you, you know, people talk about that all the time. It's it's really 60-40. It okay. even if it's really a high differential, it's it's 60-40. You need defense everywhere. You just can't live yeah. without defense, anymore, yeah, that's, right? That's I'm I'm just worried about what yeah. how many games the Cardinals have to play next year with Burleson and Walker as their corner outfielders and how 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 does that roster well, win games they, you without, can, score, without you know hitting yeah. scoring seven runs? You can teach Jordan Walker how to be a really good outfielder. Craig Biggio became a really good outfielder. He's going to he be he's going to yep, be fine. Yep. Dale Murphy was not a great outfielder when he got moved from catcher, and he wound up winning Gold Gloves yeah. in center field. So, uh, and Jordan Walker could wind up being a center fielder. So I'm not worried about that. They did him a disservice by not utilizing him in the outfield earlier in his professional career, but I'm not worried about that. And uh, Alec Burleson, well, uh, he'll be replacing a gold glover, two-time gold glover in Tyler O'Neill when oh. O'Neill gets the hamstring oh, or we, the we, back. We chase a bit. Well, how, how, when did you think that happened? Probably huh? a week back. Okay. <laughs> we know Brooke Does is anyone listening. notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> uh, there we go. Uh, next up on 101 ESPN, John Denton reported that uh, talks on a Jack Flaherty extension uh, were perhaps moving forward, but Derek Gould shot those down in a hurry. We'll talk about what happened yesterday in terms of the Cardinals trying to sign their guys next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. This is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Sumner One. You know, I think the Cardinals are, are scared to death of going into the offseason needing three pitchers. You know, you don't want to have to go into free agency needing three pitchers. They would like to, to maybe keep one of these guys. I think they know deep down in their heart that, that Jordan Montgomery is going to be a free agent, wants to be a free agent, wants to get max value. They think there might be a chance to, to talk Jack Flurry into staying. Now, there's been zero progress. I was told there hasn't even been an offer made. But the Cardinals are hoping to maybe – use the deadline in their favor. Uh, I think, you know, I've been told they want him back. They're the He's the one that they think they could hang on to. He's the one they covet. If a deal could be worked out between now and the deadline, I think both sides would be happy. That is John Denton yesterday on BK and Ferrario talking about the Cardinals and perhaps a pursuit of an extension for Jack Flaherty. And I, I just, I, I look at the way it's written out. Okay, so zero progress, hasn't been an offer made. He's the one they covet. And, Carrie, I, I put this in, like, the typical American male's perspective, okay? Okay. Trying to get a date with Sofia Vergara. <laughs> Trying. <laughs> zero progress. No offer, but the one you covet. Oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so it's not, a, you're not wrong. Essentially, it's something that that is just isn't going to happen, right? Yeah, yeah. So 
and earlier in the week, we had heard that the and was reported out of Arizona that the Cardinals were talking to Jordan Hicks about an extension, and still no deal there. Although. It's not impossible that the Cardinals could strike a deal with Jordan Hicks, who has made it pretty clear to people that are on the team every day that he wants to be here. There's a much greater chance of Jordan Hicks signing an extension than Jack Flaherty, who, as far as I'm concerned, since day one in the majors, has been looking towards free agency. He's been motivated by the idea of being a free agent. I can't imagine that you get this close to free agency, even though he's had all the injuries that he's had, and not take advantage of it. Well, I think the Cardinals missed an opportunity earlier in the season, especially when when Jack Flaherty and Jordan Montgomery weren't pitching particularly well. I said it then, you should sign them now, because... They're at their lowest of the season. And in a player's mind, you have to start worrying, whoa, if this season continues down this path, I may not get the deal that I want in free agency. So that's the time where they should have decided to try to re-sign them and, and get them for the number that they wanted. Now you've waited too late. And now guys have an opportunity to say, you know, most people wait their entire careers for an opportunity to be coveted, to be reached out to by other organizations and say, hey, we want you to come play for us. We'll offer you this. That's what most players, that's that's what they want. That's what they play the game for, to reach free agency, to have the option to go where they want to go. So the Cardinals are in a in a tough position right now because they have waited so long. You could have maybe could have gotten it done in spring training. Maybe you could have gotten it done uh, mid season, early early part of the season. But now we're in the second half. Those guys are performing well. The team is not going is not performing well and is not not going to make the playoffs. They are in a position where you're really stuck and you have to say, okay, we're going to offer you much more than we should have or could have offered you earlier in the season because now we're bidding against other teams because these players are seeing that their value has gone up. And if you're Jack Flaherty, there's a couple of ways that this can go. And Jack has consistently bet on himself. Jack could wind up going the, the way of Michael Walker, who when he left here, injury-plagued career down the stretch with the Cardinals, although he was pretty good in his last year here. But Wound up signing with the Mets for $3 million in 2020. The uh, the Rays for $3 million in 21. Did get $7 million from the Red Sox last year and then signed a two-year deal with the Padres and is going to make $16 million over the next couple of years. Or Jack Flaherty, by betting on himself, could have a healthy year next year on a one-year deal with somebody and then get the Carlos Rodon $162 million deal from the Yankees like he got. Sometimes a guy that has been injured and bets on himself winds up getting the windfall. And I would think that with Jack Flaherty's approach to athletics and the positivity with which he goes about it, he always thinks that he's really good. And there's nothing wrong with that. He probably thinks, okay, I can go out next year and have that 200 strikeout season where I win 14 games, 15 games, and I can get that six-year contract because he's still a young man. Do you think that that would be the route that he decides to go, like sign a one-year deal? Or do Mm -hmm. you think – because I think with the – I mean, Shohei Otani not being – traded at the deadline has obviously changed some things, and obviously he's going to be the main target for most teams, well, the ones that can afford it this offseason, but the ones that can't afford it, that need a second or third uh, starting pitcher in their rotation, you would be looking at a Jack Flaherty because of the upside, because you've seen it, because he's pretty much been healthy this entire season, you would have to believe that this is a guy that is going to get back to that form that he was a few years ago. And he has pitched pretty well in the second half so far. So, yeah, if I'm another team, again, making the comp to Carlos Rodon, who had a better year before free agency than Flaherty, but 
Rodon wound up getting 44 over two with an opt-out after one with the Giants and had a terrific year, opted out, got the contract. I could see something very similar with Jack Flaherty. Maybe not 44 over two, but 36 over two, 18 a year for Jack Flaherty with an opt-out after the first year to allow him to get the big money. And if he doesn't have the good year, he doesn't opt out. He gets right. $18 million for the second year, too. I could definitely see... A team like the Giants, who did it for Rodon, doing the exact same thing for Jack Flaherty. And by the way, they have a history of signing, so did the Dodgers, of signing injured guys and turning them into better pitchers. Heck, the Dodgers even signed Alex Reyes. So uh, they're willing to go out on a limb to see if they can turn injured guys into better guys. Right now, Jack is at 20 starts, uh, 7-6 and six, uh, win, loss, and a 4.43 ERA and 109 pit- innings pitched. You're looking at what, maybe eight to ten more starts before the season ends. Yep, is, maybe, is that where? Yep, maybe so he gets up to 170 innings. or 170 something like that. innings. That's a and that's a guy who only pitched nine games last year. Started eight of them. So you're looking at at a guy that could eat up innings for you if you're an organization. A guy that again, a second or third starter in your rotation that you know has the potential to be that guy in a playoff series that you're not too you're not concerned about throwing him out there the second game or the third game knowing that you're going to get a great quality start from him and give you what you need. And by the way, this year in the second half, uh 3.69 earned run average in uh, 68 and a third. So with what we're, we've just discussed then, would you if you're the Cardinals, would would you think about a two-year, thirty-six million dollar offer with an opt-out after one? Would you go there? You I might w- have to. I would. You might have to, especially when you're looking at this rotation. What do you have coming back? What is going to be available to you next year? You, Jordan Montgomery doesn't mind being traded. He doesn't mind mm-hmm. moving to another city. He's, he's already done client. it. He's and he's already done it. Yeah. So it, it's not. Uh, uh, and I don't want to say it's not an issue, but it's something that he has familiarity with. Jack Flaherty. If you can re-sign him, knowing that your rotation right now has Miles Michaelis and maybe Steven Matz, depending on how they view him, you don't have much available. You are going to need either three or four starters going into next season. If you can re-sign Jack Flaherty to a contract and give him that one year, that that option after his first year, that might be the way you have to go. I, I think that the Cardinals have to look at that. And again, small sample size, but they hopefully know him better than anybody in July, and he's made his last start of July 3-1 and one with a 3.03, 29 and two-thirds innings, allowed 32 hits, uh, and has a whip of uh, 1.4, but he did get, uh, let me get to the strikeouts here, scrolling, 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 so uh, he struck out 26 in the 29 and two-thirds. So, it might be a guy, an $18 million for middle-of-the-rotation guy, that's kind of the going rate, that might be something that you look at. Just from the other perspective, why? If you're Jack Flaherty, why, why sign the extension? If you could get a two-year deal with a one-year opt-out and pitch in, in a pitcher's ballpark and have a great year for the Cardinals next year, because you know the Cardinals are going to be competitive. This is an this is a one-off for the Cardinals. Why not take that chance on the the bird in the hand? And you'll only be 28. Yeah, he's 27 now. He turns 28 at the in October. He'll only be 28 yep. after next season as well. So that that you know, 28, 29 years old, looking for a four or five year deal. Yep, and he and he likes it and healthy for multiple years. Yep. Now yep. your agent might already know that he can get a two year deal with an opt out after one with somebody else for more money or in a place that's more palatable to try to pitch to to your style of pitching, but. 
I don't know if that's there. And I don't know if does Jack Flaherty want to deal with. Well, I don't think the Yankees are going to go out and sign free agent pitchers. They've they're loaded up with with guys. I know they're losing Severino, but they're loaded with free agent pitchers. Are the Dodgers going to do it with all of their prospects? Probably not. I don't think they're they're go, they're going after Shohei. So again, you have to look at the the landscape and find out. Okay, where do I fit? Does he does he fit? Does Jack Flaherty fit ahead of Jordan Montgomery in the free agent pecking order? Jack Flaherty ahead of Jordan for when, they, when they're both yeah. free agents. Who's who do teams come after to spend their money on first? I think Jack Flaherty because he has the better upside. Is I it mean, if, if I say different money, I think I think Jack. Like, I think it would be Jack. Something like you, you give it. You maybe maybe you just give a you you come to Jack and you give him like a two year deal with a, with like you said the opt out or the op you know the option on the second year. Where I think Montgomery's going to be a little bit more. You know we know where you're going to get. You're not going to be a high strikeout guy. You're going to be solid. We'll give you three years. So does Montgomery level. get eighty over four? I think so. Maybe eighty eight over four. Yeah, I I think that's exactly what. I, yeah, because Jack is still coming off the injury. I, I don't. I think of of roughly forty over two. Which is what Miles Michaelis got, by the way, with an opt opt out after one for Flaherty. I think that's mm-hmm. probably that, that's a middle of the rotation guy now. That's what you're paying for yeah. for a middle of the rotation guy. Yeah. It'll be uh, number one shocking to me if the Cardinals sign Flaherty uh, to an extension before the the uh, deadline. But I'm also really intrigued to see how his market shapes up once we get to free agency. Coming up, we've got the fight. Do we have a fighter, Matthew? Uh, we should be good, yeah. Yeah, well, okay, we've got a fighter, so uh, we'll have a fight next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner, Average Joe Listener. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio. Brooke is out today, and we are ready for the fight. And our fighter today is Mark. Mark, how you doing? I'm good, Kerry. How are you? Doing wonderful. Are you ready to take on Randy Carricker and potentially... Mark, you have a big not, job today. Not on the weekend. Come you have on. a potential. Come you on, have a Mark. great. Don't do it you to have me. Great potential here to ruin Randy's weekend. Oh, oh! I'm gonna try. All right, oh. let's go. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> Mark, you, Mark. Here we go. Carries mean. Yeah, that's me. Which Hall of Fame outfielder holds the all-time Major League Baseball record for the position with over 7,000 putouts? Is it Willie Mays, Ricky Henderson, or Ty Cobb? Uh. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Ricky Henderson. All right. I just realized I have to read. You forgot. Questions. Yeah, I have to stand, you, you up, I stand up. I, I went to sit down and I was like, oh, I have to stand up and read these questions. <laughs> Which Hall of Fame slugger is the only player to wear Boston, Milwaukee, and Atlanta Brave uniforms in their career? Was that Hank Aaron, Eddie Matthews, or Joe Adcock? Boston, Milwaukee, and Atlanta. All three. I'm going to say Eddie Matthews. Happy birthday to Texans' new head coach, D'Amico Ryans. Ryans played the first half of his career in Houston after being drafted in the second round out of which SEC school? Is it Auburn, 
LSU or Alabama? I'm going to guess. I'll say Auburn. Since 1991, the United States women's national team has medaled in every single international competition they've played in except for one. How many times have they won the Women's World Cup? Two, three, or four? I'm going to say three. All right, we'll, we're going to double-check our answer, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Mark, how you feel? Uh, not so great. Not great. Well, I mean, you know, you, you, the point, the, the thing that we have to do is make sure we give our best effort. I think you did, did give a very good effort. Uh, we will see how it turns out. Randy is walking into the studio now. He, uh-oh, Mark. I hate to inform you of this. We have breaking news. Randy Carricker is drinking a Mountain Dew, sir. He's all jacked up on Mountain Dew. Oh, yeah, it, it's it's not. It, it, this is not. Uh, <laughs> there's what, what you there's want. a reason for this. Okay, do tell. Um, yeah, we are uh, we are out of uh, Diet Dr Pepper. So you went you went all in. I went all in. You, you didn't want water. You just well, you, I, I got water too. But, but the Mountain uh, Dew gives you Mountain the, Dew, the, uh, the yeah. peak performance. That's, in, that's a performance enhancing drug, Randy. It kind of is. Yeah, you're right. So, sorry about that. Randy, say hello to Mark. How you doing, Mark? Good to have you with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Thanks, Randy. All, All right. right, Randy, here we go. Let's do it. Which Hall of Fame outfielder holds the all-time Major League Baseball record for the position with over 7,000 putouts? 7,000 putouts for an outfielder. You know, you would think that right off the bat it would be Henry Aaron, but he spent a lot of time, well, not a ton of time at DH at the end of his career and played a long time. But I think I'm going to go Willie Mays here. I think I'm going to go with a center fielder and a guy who never did DH. I think I'm going to go Willie Mays. All right, Randy, speaking of Hall of Fame sluggers, which Hall of Fame slugger is the only player to wear Boston, Milwaukee, and Atlanta Braves uniforms in their career? Boston Braves, Milwaukee Braves, Atlanta Braves. Okay, this would not be Joe Torre. It would not be Hank Aaron. Uh, would it be Jimmy F- Fox? Well, let's see. Hold on. Um, I'll do the lifeline here, big boy. Is it Hank Aaron? No. Eddie Matthews or Joe Adcock? I'm going to go Eddie Matthews. I don't think that Joe Adcock got to Atlanta. That 1957 Braves team was pretty darn good. (laughs) Final answer? Uh, Yeah, Eddie Matthews. I'll go Eddie Matthews. All right. Happy birthday to Texans' new head coach, D'Amico Ryans. Ryans played the first half of his career in Houston after being drafted in the second round out of which SEC school? D'Amico Ryans. For some reason, and I have no idea if I'm right here, but it sounds like Auburn. He sounds like an Auburn Tiger. War Eagle. War Damn Eagle. All right, Randy. Since 1991, the United States women's national team has medaled in every yes. single international competition they've the, played in the, the except America, for one. The America's team? The America's team, yes. You could okay. you could call Good. them even National Team America. Okay, they've medaled in every competition that they played in. Since, since 1991, except for one. How many times have they won the Women's World Cup? Every time. <laughs> they medaled it every time. They haven't won it every time. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. 
uh, I believe they've won it. I had the um, 91. So let's see, what year are we now? We're in 2023 right now. I'm going to go f- 91. I'm going to go four times, Matthew. I'm going to go four. All right. I think uh, Hope Solo. She got. Uh, I think she was involved with three. So I'm going to go with four total. All right. Friend of the show, former friend of the show, Hope Solo, until she went nuts. Does Carrie, does his evilness get to win out on this day? You know, I said, was and do we get to root for Mark here as he sends us into a weekend all with smiles on our faces? Or does Randy Character and Megamind keep on rolling through? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis. With the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. Oh, Randy. Oh, it's the meme, Randy. Oh. Who can argue with that? Good job. Good job, guys. Please, everyone needs to watch the YouTube just to see the Carrie's laugh when that clip gets played. It's so genuine. (laughs) Like a little kid. Mark, I'm sorry you heard all those clips in. Randy took you down three to one today. Oh, no problem. Congratulations, Randy. Mark, thank you. Have a great weekend. It'll happen. It'll happen. Which Hall of Famer outfielder holds the all-time MLB record for a position with over 7,000 putouts? In fact, the only outfielder over 7,000 putouts with 7,095 is, in fact, Willie Mays. Uh, Henderson and Ty Cobb both in the top five. Which Hall of Fame slugger is the only player to wear Boston, Milwaukee, and Atlanta Brave (laughs) uniforms in a career? His rookie year was in Boston. His final year as a Brave was in Atlanta. And then all those years in between in Milwaukee, Eddie Matthews, the only one to wear all three. Here's another thing. Joe Adcock, by the way, a 40 war and 340 home runs and 280 batting average from the catcher position, not in the Hall of Fame. That's stupid. <laughs> I just, I, I double check because I, I saw that a 336 home runs and and a, like four war four war points below Yachty, and he's he's not in the Hall of Fame. I honestly thought that was kind of crazy. Happy birthday to Texas Texans new head coach D'Amico Ryan's. Ryan's played the first half of his career at Houston after being drafted in the second round. I'm not surprised both of you guys got this one wrong because. It was before their return to glory. He was an Alabama oh, Crimson, Alabama Tide, Crimson Tide. He is from Alabama. Bessemer, Alabama, so mm. it was a pretty easy shot between yep. one of the two schools. And since 1991, the United States men's national team has a uh, women's national team, excuse me, has medaled in every single international competition they've played in, except for one when they were knocked out of 2016 by Sweden. They have won the World Cup though four times and hope to go for a fifth this year and a 3-1 win for Randy Carricker in the fight again. Mark, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today. Thanks a lot. Take care. Get your popcorn ready. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. <laughs> by, the, by the way, this is also the uh, this day in 2002. Oh, no. Okay. 2002, I think Ozzy Smith was inducted into the Hall of Fame. I couldn't come up with a good question for that. Oh, one of the all-time great Hall of Fame speeches. Though. Yes, because he... he, he uh, uh, everything, all the Wizard of Oz um, mm-hmm. stuff that he did around it, I thought was fantastic. But also, just I didn't want to put it in question because I know I don't, I don't like doing second most without more context. But second most assists in all of MLB history. It is wild that that stats that 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 there. I mean, yeah. Ozzy's incredible. You know, why I tried so hard in this fight. CD? Hello, you play to win the game. Yeah, you do. You don't play to just play it. This is true. 
That's the great thing about sports. You tell them, her. But some players do, right, Gary? No. Oh, shit. Well, I don't know. No, because he sucks you guys in. He hears everything I say. Okay, and he can tell me three weeks from now what I said today. So he sucks you guys right in. So consider yourself sucked. <laughs> <laughs> that was the fight on 101 ESPN. Next up, we've got our bird watch. Actually, 10-3 last night. Bird droppings yeah. coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the opening drive. For a bird watch here on 101 ESPN. Brooke is out today. Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us. And CD, would you like to start or would you sure. prefer to have me start? I'll okay. go first. Here's Carrie Davis. Oh, I guess it is that because that's really what the Cardinals are going to get in return for their trade offers. Oh. Do it again. Yeah, that's what they're going to get back with the offers Wait, that. What about for Montgomery? Yeah, no. It's still. Yeah. Well, Flaherty. Yeah. Yeah. What about Hicks? Oh, no. That's what they're going to get in in return. And I think what other teams are starting to realize is the Cardinals need pitching, right? I think everyone has realized that they need pitching. They're talking about trading away two of their starting pitchers and want pitching in return. We've we've discussed this. The, the, The concept of trading away pitchers and getting pitchers in return doesn't make a lot of sense to me because, again, if the team X needs pitching and they trade for that pitching, they probably don't have pitching to give. So mm-hmm. there you go. You're not going to get anything worth having in return. The only way that the Cardinals, and I think I truly believe this, all of the other teams around the league are starting to, to, to not starting to, but have realized this as well. The only way they are willing to give the Cardinals anything worth anything is if they get a superstar or a potential superstar. And I'm talking Nolan Gorman, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, Jordan Walker, Maybe even Brendan Donovan on that list as a guy, not superstar, but a guy that is very, very good, could be a two, three, four-time all-star at a position if he's playing every single day. Those are the players that opposing teams want in return for the aces or the starters or the top prospects that they have. This is not an organization, speaking of the Cardinals, that have pieces that other teams are coveting. They are not going there aren't there aren't many teams saying, you know what, if we just get Paul DeYoung in our lineup, we'll be a we'll be a World Series contender. No offense to Paul DeYoung. That's not something that's going to return the ace or the potential ace that the Cardinals need in this time. So the Cardinals are in a in an unfortunate position right now. They need pitching. Everyone around the league knows that they need pitching. If they want the pitching that they need and desire, they're going to have to give up something that they don't want to give up. And along those lines, CD, just look at what the White Sox got for presumably the best starting pitcher available at this trade deadline with Lucas Giolito. They get a couple of double-A players, a left-handed pitcher by the name of Kai Bush and a catcher by the name of Edward Edward Cuero. Certainly not major league ready guys. And by the way, uh, the the pitcher is, there's a question as to whether or not he'll be a successful major league pitcher or not. But just look at that for Lucas and a serviceable reliever in Reynaldo Lopez. The White Sox got a couple of double-A guys back. So if the White Sox get that return for the guy who's supposed to be the best starter available at the trade deadline, what are the Cardinals going to get for their guys? Exactly. You, you're going to have to – it's going to hurt. 
if you <clears throat> if you are if you are unable to re-sign Jack Flaherty, or if you're not able to sign Jordan Montgomery, if you're unable to make a trade that brings in a a potential starter right now not I don't I don't the prospects are beautiful it's wonderful it's something unseen unknown we don't know if they can do it on a consistent basis you need a number one and if you let Flaherty and Montgomery walk or get traded you're going to need a number three a number two a number three a number four you're going to need a well, lot Michaelis will be there as your number you'll two. need a three and a four yeah so you'll need a one three and a four yep you will you're and, exactly right and so here we are with my what, what, what is it uh rock that's what they're going to get in return Yep. Uh, here's mine. And I hate to do this. But it's, I don't know. I'm throwing down on that one. It's kind of who we are. No, because I did not think that Andrew Kisner is what he's been this year. Okay. But that is not my job to evaluate what a player is capable of. It's their job to evaluate what a player is capable of. Wilson Contreras this year, 303 at-bats, has a 772 OPS, 11 homers, and 40 RBIs. In 128 at-bats, Andrew Kisner has a 726 OPS, 726 for Kisner, 772 for Contreras. Kisner, 8 homers, 23 RBIs. Uh, Contreras, 11 homers, 40 RBIs. They're virtually the same offensive player. Well, Kisner's got a little bit more power. Uh, Kisner is uh, slugging 469. Contreras slugging 429. And Kisner, as they have told us with their actions, not words, but actions, they believe Kisner's better defensively, too. So did they make a mistake again in not promoting Andrew Kisner to the number one catcher role rather than spending 80 to seven and a half million dollars on Wilson Contreras? Um, I'm going to say no. I don't think they made a mistake. Andrew Kisner, uh, he's done a very good job. He's done a serviceable job. He's not in the long run at the plate what Wilson Contreras is projected to be or what he has been throughout his entire career. That is true. And I didn't see it coming. I'm just wondering, why didn't they see it coming? Huh, Randy? We got a, we got a lot of questions that have been unanswered mm-hmm. so far this year. I mean, a lot of questions yeah. that have been unanswered so far this year. And that, that just adds to the list. I would rather, and this is, again, hindsight 2020. But I would rather have Andrew Kisner's production as my number one catcher and that $87.5 million spent on pitching. Yeah, Randy, I mean, this has been a really good year for him. Last year, he was, uh, he was about a 601 OPS. Right. And, not, and, and the year before that, career, he, no. was, he was a 517 OPS. Exactly. You, you, needed, you needed someone that could hit the ball. But they keep talking about how, well, we, we see this coming. We, we see Lars Newtbar coming. We see that Tyler O'Neill is going to be healthy. That's their Why job. they see who's going? Their job is to forecast. Yeah, they, they're, not, they're only seeing one side of it. Yeah. They aren't seeing the, the entire picture. Because we, if we, the thing that I think troubles me, we we talked about it all all off season was the six starters comment, and now you get into the season, it didn't look that way, no. and it hasn't been that way. And one other point, by the way, and Andrew Kisner is a fun guy, and he he strives to make it fun even when things are going bad. I would, and Wilson Contreras, by the way, same attitude, and I love it, but. You can't go wrong with the personality of the Cardinal catchers. They're doing everything they can to lighten the mood and to try to to get their teammates engaged and try to get this thing going on the right track. 
I agree. So Andrew Kisner surprised me. Congra- I, congratulations to him. Can I take my hat off to Miles Michaelis as well? Because yeah. he did something last night. Even though we, we talked about it earlier, he stood up for his teammate. He, Hap made a mistake. It wasn't intentional. But damn it, you hit my guy, I'm going to hit you. That is the type of of family, uh, teammates, you know, camaraderie that you want. And those are generally good teams. Kerry, Bob Gibson would have done that. <laughs> yeah, Chris man. Carpenter would have done that. He'd probably hit him in the rib. Yeah, He'd been he, a little he bit higher. Like yeah. it, it, Miles Michaelis took it easy on him. You hit my yeah. catcher in the in the head with your bat, even if it's unintentional. He's bleeding, ain't he? Yeah. Oh, now you need to bleed a little bit. There's the key. <laughs> yep, there it is, right there. You need to bleed a little bit. That's exactly right. That is your bird watch here on 101 ESPN. Coming up as we get towards the nine o'clock hour, we talked about Miles Michaelis uh, doing what he needed to do. Well, we're going to hear what he did next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Nine oh one in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Chip Carey coming up at 9.15 and then at 9.30. The segment of the interview that we conducted with Chris Long for Sunday nights, the 101 on sports on the Two Fox, and uh, it's fun. So you'll want to stick around at 9.30 and hear from the former St. Louis Ram, Chris Long. The Cardinals lost to the Cubs last night by a score of 10-3, to and it was not a generally fun game except for what happened in the first inning. And another message sent. Buzzed the tower once, got him flushed the second time, and now let's see if the umpires issue warnings after well, Hap knocked Contreras from the game. Well, you, you see that Hap knew exactly what was going on, too. Didn't say a word, took his bag, caught him right in the hip. If you're going to get him, that's exactly where you get him. Did the job the right way. They throw him out? Wow, they Come just pulled Michaelis out of the game. you got to be kidding me. Have a little feel for baseball. Have a little feel for the game. That's awful. There is no punishment whatsoever for Ian Happ, who hits Contreras with a bad swing. And while Ali Marmol makes his case, he gets thrown out after discussing things in front of the Cardinals' dugout. You're going to throw him out? Come on! <laughs> <laughs> BT was about to go full blackout rage. You, you got to be careful. And he's capable. He, he is capable. For baseball. Have a little feel for the game. He, by the way, he, he probably thought about going down there and telling him, giving him a piece of his mind. Are you serious? <laughs> be the first broadcaster ever thrown out of a game. Unbelievable. Yeah, he would be. Great. Uh, so the Cardinals will, uh, after the 10-3 loss last night, and by the way, we've mentioned it earlier in the show, if you didn't hear it, if the Cardinals go 54-4, and they'll win 100 games this year. 54-4. That'd be a record or something. It would be. Yeah, okay, 44-14. and 14. That might be a record as well. Okay, that would get them to 90 wins. It would be right 34 and 24? No. <laughs> no. That's not, not that either? That's 80. Yeah. They just want to get above. You want to get above 500. Yeah, they, this team's not good enough. I, I feel bad The fact for that they have to play like 14 plus in the win column no, just to be. 14. They're minus 14 <laughs> or 12 or it's 11 not, right it's now. It's not going to happen. It's, it's, not, not, it's, not, carry. it's not happening. Yeah. Uh, tonight. Jordan Montgomery goes for the Cardinals in what presumably will be his last Cardinal start, and he'll be opposed by TBD. Oh, who is that? 
Timothy Bradford <laughs> Davis. There you go. Uh, unfortunately, guys, I hear, I, I no. hear tell he's like a 28-year-old lefty who hasn't, doesn't have really a lot of appearances in the main. That means uh, he shuts the Cardinals he's up. Lanky. <laughs> yeah, he's lanky. Yeah. They're, they're done. He's got a, he's got a knuckleball even. He's side think, armor. Oh, he's going to be scraping the ground yeah, with door that. Backdoor Curry. Backdoor Santa. It's, it's going to be ugly for tonight so, for the boys. Interesting uh, story out of the West Coast. Two weeks ago, the L.A. Times disbanded their sports department, and yesterday the sports department turned out a story in which they said that the Cardinals and Dodgers were having discussions about <laughs> Nolan Arenado going to L.A. as a member of the Dodgers. Why would you connect those two strings, Randy? Ghost Riders? Why would, you, why would you ever connect those two facts? Well, because it's artificial intelligence. And oh. if it's L.A. and it's intelligence, then it's artificial. Okay. See what you did there. I don't know if they have a lot of real. Not real. All due respect to those of you listening on the West Coast. (laughs) You're from St. Louis, but all due respect. Uh, The Cardinals are not trading Nolan Arenado, and yes, the Cardinals would be interested in some of the young pitching, but. The Cardinals, they know exactly what the Rockies got for Arenado. They aren't going to do the same thing. Yeah, they're going to do that. So you don't know what Bobby Miller or Gavin Stone or Emmett Sheehan are going to be. And Chris Taylor, nice player, but he's not really a, a needle mover. You don't trade a needle mover for five guys that don't move the needle. Nine needle movers? No, that's, that's why the Cardinals were so good in the early part of this century is because they traded a lot of players. T.J. Matthews is probably listening. Love you, T.J., but you were part of a deal for Mark McGuire, three for one, right? Cardinals traded uh, three players for Matt Holliday in 2009. They traded three players for Scott Rowland in 2002. They traded three, I guess, two players, Bottenfield and Kennedy, for Jim Edmonds. They traded quantity for quality, and the Cardinals aren't going to all of a sudden start giving up quality for quantity because, in uh, in a word, that's stupid. Uh, I agree. It doesn't work. I agree. And, and something unproven. You're you're not certain what you are getting back. And I've said this time and time again, the Cardinals have to be uh, active in free agency. They have to. I would prefer that they get something at the trade deadline to kind of ease some of that transition. But if it's not able to happen, you're going to have to be very proactive in free agency and making sure you're going after an ace. And I, I love Miles Michaelis. An ace and a number two, yeah. and then you can well, slide Michael to the he's three. Your number two, yeah, he's. So, but yeah, if you yeah, can yeah. get a, if you can get a guy right. that's better than him, yep. well, then you got to, you have to pursue Aaron Nola in free yes. agency, and then you do need to try to make some deals. And Gary, if they can get two number ones, that won't break my heart. Nah, me neither. I mean, <laughs> not at all. No, if you can get a free agent and somehow convince the White Sox to part with Dylan Cease or part the the Rays to part with uh, a glass snow. It's going to hurt. Yep, it is. It's, it's going to be. It's going to be Nolan Gorman. I always go back to what uh, and Mo used this. By the way, I know it's not going to be Nolan Gorman. Uh, Mo used this a couple of weeks ago, and it's my old Mike Shannon line sitting there in uh, 1986, and the, the the Cardinals were. I guess it was 88. Uh, the Cardinals were bad in '88, and I remember it was after a game that Ray Burris pitched. Ray Burris came here and pitched for the Cardinals for a while. Let me find Ray Burris, and uh, he he did not have a great outing. And I said to Mike, how do they fix this? He's a big boy, pitching, pitching, pitching. And uh, that's what the Cardinals have to do now. Ray Burris with your St. Louis Cardinals. No, it was 86, okay. Four and five with a 5.60. He had a bad outing that night. We were waiting for the star of the game. And Mike says, pitching, pitching, pitching. And I've never forgotten it. And you know what? When you watch the teams that win, did you watch the Houston Astros last year? 
pitching, pitching, pitching. Did you watch the Atlanta Braves a couple of years ago? Pitching, pitching, pitching. Did you watch the Dodgers in 2020? Pitching, pitching, pitching. That's how you win. Let's say everybody's healthy. Everybody's, everybody's healthy. healthy. There you go. What is your odds? I'm going to give me a percentage that they do enough that Miles Michaelis is your third pitcher in the rotation next year. 10%. Yeah. Higher than I expected. That's higher than I would have put it at. That's actually kind of optimistic. I, I, I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling positive now. There's no way they go spend and get two aces. But you could trade for one. You could buy one and trade for yeah, one. And, and the trade is going to hurt. Yeah, it is. But I don't think that they have to go Gorman. I think that they... Uh, now, do you want to make a deal with Tampa after what Tampa's already done to you? I don't know. For a guy like Glasnow. But you who, might... who do you think would be an opposing team would be willing... It's not It's not Brendan Donovan by himself. It's not It's not Lars Newtbar by himself. It's going to be... Uh, if it's a one-for-one, one, it's, well, it's a Nolan Gorman or... I don't see them parting ways with Jordan Walker. You're doing, for example, if you would go to the White Sox, you're going, like you say, it's going to have to be something that hurts, and maybe it isn't a Newt Bar, but then you're going to have to give him a couple of pitchers too. You're probably going to have to go Newt Bar, Graceffo, and or or hence and somebody Mm -hmm. else. It's it it is going to hurt you. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, it will. A couple of other notes. The quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, leaving the practice yesterday. He was stumbling along with a a calf injury. Uh, They say that uh, they don't think it's real serious, but you never know with a calf. Those take a long time to heal. The thing is, I I watched it. I hadn't hadn't seen the video. He already had a calf sleeve on, so that means he was already sore or it was grabbing at him a little bit, and it probably just finally popped. I don't think it's a big deal. A lot of people were worried that it was his Achilles. The fact that I saw him with a calf sleeve on lets me know his calf was already injured or sore, and, you know, he felt it grab and fell to the ground immediately. It's not going to be a big deal. He'll get a couple of weeks off. And he'll be back to normal. And Jalen Ramsey in his first year with the Dolphins to undergo knee surgery and miss six to eight weeks. Can I do another thing? And, and CD, can you uh, can you tell us about uh, what Coach Tomlin would say after a loss when you guys would watch film? What was what was his? Oh, line? We, we would have to watch the news. He was he, we would watch okay. the news. He says I, I don't uh, make the news. I just report it. I'm going to report some news to okay. you. Okay. As we talk about Tyler O'Neill. All right. Uh, July fifth, two thousand eighteen. Leaves with a left hamstring strain, misses a couple of weeks. August 1st of 19, a wrist injury, knocks him down. August 18th of 20, undisclosed injury, knocks him down for a couple of weeks. Um, April 10th of 21, a right groin injury. May 18th of 21, a finger injury. July 2nd of 21, a finger injury. Uh, July 7th of 21, allergies. August 24th of 21, back. How long, when did that happen? Eh, about a week back. Okay. Uh, <laughs> May 19th of 22, a shoulder injury. June 19th of 22, another hamstring. July 30th of 22, a leg injury. September 8th of 22, a neck. Uh, September 17th of 22, another hammy. May 5th of 23, a back. And then that caused him to miss 63 days. I'm just reporting the news there. Well, here's what you... If anyone doesn't understand, your back and your hamstrings are tied together. Meaning, if one is not trained properly or sore or aching, then the other one is going to start hurting. So when you have a lot of hamstring issues, it's because of your back. When you have a lot of back issues because of your hamstrings, those things are tied in together. And it's a strengthening issue. It's an overuse issue. It's really just trying to lengthen that muscle so that your back is not tight. Because once you start pulling your hamstrings, your back starts feeling, it it just doesn't feel right. It 
it is solely about stretching and lengthening that muscle. When you are extremely strong, he is wound tight. He's, he's, we talked about the muscle hamster a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, D- uh, Doug Martin. D- Doug Martin. <laughs> I almost said Doug Martin. <laughs> yeah, he's not the muscle hamster. <laughs> he is not. Doug Martin was so wound tight. He was just a big ball of muscle, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. As long as you are able to be flexible and stretch and lengthen those muscles, it's okay to be strong. It's okay to be physically fit. But when you are a professional athlete that requires you to run over and over again, that cutting, moving, doing different things, going left, going right, going back, you have to be able to be flexible enough to not pull things. And I think that that has been Tyler O'Neill's issue for the majority of his career. That's your Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the TV voice of the Cardinals, Chip Carey. Boy, is he funny. (laughs) (laughs) He had some lines last night. Uh, He's with us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke Grimsley is out today. She's actually doing a wedding dress shopping this weekend. Good for her. Carrie Davis, Randy Carragher with you. And we go to the celebrity line, and our friend Chip Carey joins us, the TV voice of the Cardinals. Chip, I'm on Jack Chip, I literally am this morning. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, guys. No Mountain Dew yet, but it's coming. <laughs> okay, so uh, compare and contrast the Arizona heat to the St. Louis heat. Uh, a little more humidity here in St. Louis, but uh-huh. it felt a little bit cooler, quite honestly. <laughs> 17 with a hairdryer blowing in your face in Phoenix. It was rough. It's been, it's been a rough oh, week. Chip, I, I was worried about you and, and BT yesterday. I thought he was going to be the first broadcaster thrown out of a game, and I thought you were going to have to tackle him to keep him in his seat. How, how did that whole thing unfold for you? Uh, it's frustrating. Um, you know, we, we talk all the time about, uh, you know, the game will police itself. And I think that's a situation that looking back in retrospect, uh, it's one, in my opinion, where the one rule fits all didn't fit last night. The rule apparently has changed. If the umpires deem that if a batter was hit intentionally, the pitcher is automatically thrown out without a warning. That's exactly what happened last night. But if you look closely at what took place, uh, there was a bigger storyline in play last night. Happ knew he made a mistake. He lost the control of the bat and it hit his former teammate, bloodied him. He had to leave the game. He felt terrible about it. It was a mistake. It happens, but unfortunate. Uh, he knew that Michaelis was going to try to protect his player, missed with a first pitch that wasn't particularly close, which is what the umpire said, and then hit him where a professional pitcher is supposed to do to take care of business, plunked him in the butt, no injury, no problem. Happ knew it was coming. He put his bat down and walked to first, didn't say a word. Nobody said anything. Then the umpires decided to meet, and they read the mind of the batter, the pitcher, and the teams, and the intent, and decided to eject Michaelis from the game, which is silly. If the umpires were not forced, and this is, again, the retrospect part for my opinion, if the umpires had not been forced to intervene in the game, the game would have gone on. The Cubs would have not said a word about Michaelis staying in the game. We wouldn't have had the ejections of Marmel and Michaelis, and uh, the game would have continued. And I'm not saying the Cardinals would have won the game, and Michael has stayed in. The Cubs are swinging the bats really well, but that was a situation where whatever momentum the Cardinals had was taken away by a one-size-fits-all approach that the umpires were forced to apply. And I think it's really interesting, Chip, and you've been around the game a long time. The the umpires that we never hear the names of are the best umpires. It's a bad thing, and this is a good crew, by the way. You mentioned it during the telecast. It's generally a really good crew, but the, the guys that we know the names of are generally the umpires that are trying to put on a show and think, okay, people bought tickets to see me. 
Uh, well, I mean, I, I think that happens in all sports, and yep. that's unfortunate. But these guys are really great. Uh, they're great people. They're true professionals. They go out there every day and try to do the best job that they have to do. And as I said before, they have a job to do. They are forced to apply the rules as they are written. And we can agree or disagree with that all we want. But at the end of the day, that's what they have been asked to do. I don't necessarily like it. Uh, I also don't like it when guys are headhunters and they go out and they deliberately try to drill people and hurt them. Mm -hmm. uh, Miles Michaelis did that, as I said, like they did in the old days. It was professional. It was done. Hap knew it. He was expecting it. It was old school baseball. Uh, it was protecting your player. Uh, it was, a, you know, a, people who don't understand the game can say, well, this is Wild West mentality, but that's what's made the game so great for 100 plus years. And seeing some of that stuff legislated away with, again, as I said, a one size fits all approach, I don't think is is uh, productive. And as, as you said, I don't think anybody was there to see the umpires do that. They were there to see Michaelis face the, the Cubs. Hey, Chip, it was interesting the other day after Jack Flaherty's outing, he, he said that he kind of started to think about the fact that it might be his last start in a Cardinal uniform. And sometimes we have a tendency as fans, and because you're around the club on a daily basis, I haven't been around a club on a daily basis in a long time, but we tend to think of players as something less than humans with feelings. And this is a really big deal for these guys because they're for, for people like Jordan Montgomery and Flaherty, they're, they're expecting it, but still their life can be turned upside down within the next 48 hours. We talked about that on the broadcast last night, and you're exactly right. Think about this from a practical standpoint. And look, I think we're all jaded by the millions of dollars that players make and the fantastic lifestyle that they and we, by extension, get to live. But think about this. Let's say you're not Jack Flaherty or Jordan Montgomery. You're a veteran guy and you're married. You've established roots in a community and you're toward the end of your contract or you're a valued piece and a team's trying to rebuild. This time of year, in three weeks, kids start school. You've got a home. You've got to uproot your family. You move everybody. Kids have to start new school if you decide to leave the town. I mean, uh, you know, who takes care of the dog? You're not coming home or your family stays back in the town and you go on the road and live in a hotel uh, for the final two months. I'm not just saying that the players should get any sympathy as a result of that because that is part of the game. That's part of the deal. But you're right. These are people. These are real-world, life-changing, life-altering consequences, and not just for the players, but for the family, too. I saw Jack Flaherty's mom out in Arizona, and she was basically in tears after his last start because she thinks that this may be the last time she sees him wear a Cardinals uniform, the only organization that he's known. And uh, the really, really good people and really, really good players are the ones that develop those relationships. And that is the most difficult part of what's already been a difficult season and disappointing one for Cardinals fans. But you're right. These guys are players and people, too. And I think that uh, we all need to recognize the difficulty of them trying to perform on these very bright stages with these kinds of, uh, shall we say, distractions swirling around them here. Chip, we've talked ad nauseum about this uh, trade deadline and who could be potentially leaving. I tend to believe that the Cardinals are in a in a tough position because they got guys that they've talked about trading pitchers, but they need pitching. You got guys like Paul DeYoung and, and Tyler O'Neill who have have been here for a while, but most people think they're not going to be here. But in order to get the ace or to get that starting pitcher, the Cardinals are going to have to trade away someone that is going to be very good. Do you think that that's a potential or, or are we just going to be kind of rinse and repeat into next season as well? Well, I think, you know, to part of the pun, I think all cards are on the table right mm -hmm. now. You know, it, with this season, the way it's going, and look, I, Mo keeps his cards very close to the vest, as he should. It's not my business to break news. It's my business to report it. And, I, and you know, my standard line is I don't tell the GMs how to run the team, and they don't tell me what to say on TV, which is a, 
a wonderful arrangement. But I, I think if you look at this realistically, um, yeah, it's going to be hard to acquire that top of the rotation ace now. But what if you acquire a whole bunch of assets now that you can flip in the offseason and go get that guy before the season even starts? That's one route. You can sign guys in free agency. That's another route. You can draft and develop your own. That's a route. I think all of those things are going to be in play. What I find refreshing and I'm encouraged by as a, as a new guy and a Cardinal fan now is that there's an understanding that the approach to pitching has to change here. Uh, with the no-shift rules, with the uh, you know the, the, um, <laughs> the pitch clock and, and that nature, the, the uh, pitch-to-contact way of doing business in, in the major leagues is going to be a very, very difficult way to sustain over 162 games in year after year. It's a model that worked extremely well for the Cardinals. They've always been a great defensive team on the infield. They could move guys around and their pitchers could pitch to those contact points and get out. So that hasn't happened this year. And I think when we see this staff and we evaluate this staff that uh, the need for more swing and miss is going to be something they look for. Developing swing and miss is something they're going to look for. And obviously, as Mo has said, trying to acquire that at the deadline and after is something they're going to look to, too, as well. And the big thing is when you have those young pitchers and you saw this unfold for a world championship in Atlanta, you have to have those young pitchers pitching for you. And the Cardinals have a ton of young pitchers. And we don't know what Libertor is going to be, but Graceffa's on the way, McGreevy's on the way, Tinkens is on the way. At some point, you have to have to get a little bit, little bit lucky, don't you? And just have them pitch for you sure. and not be hurt. Yeah, well, the old saying was, at least in Atlanta, you know, you, you draft ten and you hope one makes it, and yeah. that's really, really the cost of doing business. It is a, a, a position of attrition uh, because guys get hurt, and, and we can argue and for myriad reasons why that happens. But pitchers have gotten hurt. Uh, every year since baseball has been invented. That's just the name of the game. It's unfortunate. Your arm's a catapult, and there are only so many tosses you have in it. Um, and you hope to, yes, get lucky. But as Branch Rickey said, luck is the residue of design. You have a pitching plan in place, and you have a style that you want, and you teach consistently through the system, which the Cardinals do. And you have to have confidence that your scouts will see and find guys. And I think a model to look at is Houston, to be honest with you. Uh, when you look at what the Astros have done, it's not necessarily through the draft. Think about how successful they've been in Venezuela for decades. They go and they find young, inexpensive players on the international market, get them in their system, and they um, acquire boatloads of those guys. And when you talk about buying in bulk, like going to Costco, uh, you wait for that <laughs> one package of strawberries to, to turn into strawberry pie, and it has for them. And I think that's something the Cardinals will, will try to do a little bit more of. And, and again, it's an economic problem as well as it is a talent problem, and I think that the, the Cardinals are would be wise, and I think they are going to continue to try to use that model as well. Chip, you seem to, I want to switch gears, you seem to have so much fun on the broadcast. It, it is fun for us to listen. You know where every fan that catches a foul ball is at, where they're from, in every state you go into, every city. When did you start that, and what is your favorite part of, of broadcasting baseball? Oh, lots of research, Kerry. You know, we fan seating charts. We know where they are. You know, we, I've studied them for years. You know, every fan, a fan in St. Clair, Missouri, doesn't catch the ball the same way a fan in O'Fallon, Illinois does. I don't know. It's a God-given gift. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like it's like the rock musicians. You know, Jimmy Page said it best. You know, great guitar player for Led Zeppelin. All the great guitar players steal riffs from other people and they put them together and they make it their own, right? Yeah. 
Uh, Ernie Harwell used to do that. My dad used to do it. I like doing it. It's just a way to connect us to the great fan bases uh, that, that we have here in St. Louis and where they come from. And, you know, occasionally you get lucky and a fan walks up and says, you know, the other day you said I was from Ro- a fan from Roswell, Georgia, caught a foul ball. Well, that was me, and I am from Roswell. That's awesome. And they, just got a and they go, God, how does he know that? Yeah, it is true, obviously. Um, but, it's, but it is fun. But the, and I, I think, uh, you know, to answer your question, the best part of the job is the people. Uh, you know, there's no such thing as a bad day in the big leagues. And the people that I've been blessed to work with and who have welcomed me so kindly into their family of Valley Midwest has been really, really humbling. Uh, Brad's awesome. Jim Edmonds is a riot. We have a great time, too. Uh, our crew, the people behind the scenes that, that uh, have the impossible job of making us look good, make our booth such a fun place to hang out and be with. And that goes for the guys on the radio side, too. John Rooney and Ricky Horton and Mike Claiborne and Ethan and Michael. Uh, the guys in the uh, the radio booth make us extremely welcome as well. So that's the best part of it is uh, having that surrogate family that when we're away from our own, even when things are going the way they have this year, it makes it a real joy to come to the ballpark. And, of course, uh, broadcast for these wonderful fans. Uh, Chip, uh, I, I had to text you last night with a, a great line. I just advise everybody to, to tune into Chip and BT and listen <laughs> because you'll always find a, a fun nugget of humor somewhere in the broadcast. Well, we try to slide them in under radar, and we try to fool them three three hours a day every night. <laughs> You're the best. Thanks, Chip. Have a great weekend. Okay, guys. We'll see you, see you next week. You Thanks. Bet. Take care. Right, that is uh, Chip Carey. He is your TV voice of the Cardinals on Valley Sports, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Coming up on the 101 on Sports on Sunday night, I'm going to talk to Chris Long. and I've, I've relayed some of the things that he's done during the course of his career in the past, but who better to tell these stories than Chris Long? We're going to hear an excerpt from Sunday night's show on the two Fox next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN presented by Dobbs tire and auto centers. In this room, one of the things we miss is having an NFL training camp and Coming up on Sunday night on the 101 on Sports at 11 o'clock on Fox 2, I'm going to interview Chris Long. I already did, and one of the things that I miss about training camp is Chris's incessant pranks. So I asked him to reminisce about some of the pranks that he and his teammates pulled as they were members of the St. Louis Rams. Here it is. Man, we had so many. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people think, hey, you, you play pranks, you have fun. You can't possibly be working hard. Those two things can happen at the same time. We just happen to not be very good. But, you know, all the more reason to try to have fun when you can. Uh, because I think as a leader on a team, and, you know, I've got to wear a captain on my chest and that sort of thing in St. Louis, like, you know, a lot of your your responsibility is to to curate the vibe, you know. And, you know, there's some days where the vibe has to be get our you-know-what together, uh, guys. Uh, but some days you got to have some fun. And Jeff was great about that. Jeff Fisher was great about that. He understood it. Um, and he gave us the space to play pranks and, you know, like we had smack cam, which was, which was a lot of fun. Uh, most of the time it was basically like if you wore your issued gear, uh, around the, the facility. So if you had your free gear that the Rams give you with the logos on, uh, you were eligible to get hit in the face with, a plate full of uh, whipped cream or shaving cream. Um, And it was the dumbest game in the world. But one day during training camp, it kicked off and it just didn't stop for two months. Uh, And I can remember, you know, because we've had guys, 
that would go to like Walmart in their full warm up, and we used to <laughs> crap about it because you know, like, hey man, if you want people to know you're in the NFL, uh, play better. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's that it's that kind of it was born out of that spirit. But I can remember one morning uh, having to wake up early. I hated I hated waking up early. Like everybody knew it. I was at the facility last, uh, but I would stay the latest, so I'd be there late. I'm a night owl. And I get there last, and I remember I was getting in the door, and Julie uh, or Julia um, with the Rams was like, "Hey, we really need you for this interview." Uh, James Laronitis has 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 bowed out, and I was like, "Well, I'm not going to be in the right gap today." Um, and James uh, had me sit in the seat and do the interview that he was supposed to do, and I forgot because it was early in the morning. I had team issue gear on; it was a live hit for NFL Network. And Cortland Finnegan, like a little leprechaun, <laughs> takes three bounds from off camera to on camera up in that dark interview room up there and just obliterates my face with uh, with whipped cream on national television. I got the I got the whole thing on my face. I'm trying to get it off. I'm trying to conduct the interview. We definitely pushed the limit when it came to that stuff. We also. You know, I can remember, and this is an example of like a time in the season where you got to keep the big picture in mind. We're eliminated like most years, and we're going up to Seattle to play the Seahawks. And we didn't have to worry about playing well against Seahawks. Our defense especially always brought it against the Seahawks. So it was really about cutting the tension a little bit uh, on trips like that. And the day before we went up to Seattle, the D-line room, we were meeting, and Tremaine Johnson and a couple guys – we're running by our D-line room and throwing little pieces of ice in and shutting the door and running down the hall like a bunch of children. <laughs> and, you know, you don't pick on the D-line room because we're the most immature, but we're also the most well-paid, especially on that St. Louis team. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, our immaturity knows no bounds. I I, uh, I thought of something before we got on the bus. I said, I want to call a carpenter. And I want to call a tow truck. And I went to Jimmy Lake and Jimmy Lake, who was the, the head, head equipment guy, who's my, my dude. I actually saw him a couple months ago. Um, Jimmy Lake said, I got I got a couple guys for you. I called the dudes. I said, I need all the guys towed, the DBs all towed out in front of, you know, if people know Earth City, they know the facility, which is now the Russell Athletic Center or whatever. And across the uh, the road, there's a big field. So I towed all their cars out right before they got on the bus. I went and stole all their keys and put them in a bucket for the tow truck driver, towed all their cars out, had the carpenter come and build houses around each of their, their cars uh, with no doors, no windows. They were solid houses um, and they had Christmas lights because it was like week 16 or whatever it was. They had mailboxes with their numbers on them and a sign that said DBville. So these guys had no idea that what was going on while we were in Seattle. Obviously, they were handling their business. And when we rounded the corner at midnight to get back to, to Earth City, we saw what had been rumored to have happened on the flight home, uh, which was there was a neighborhood erected with all these guys' cars <laughs> in the houses. Uh, and the only way to get the cars out was via chainsaw. Uh, so you've got guys out there. It's 10 degrees. The wind's whipping. It's two in the morning and you got chainsaws going off trying to get these cars out. Um, I remember that prank pretty fondly. I remember a time not so fondly where me and William Hayes took it too far. Uh, James Laronitis for no good reason. We decided 
we would ruin his new Audi. Uh, he had an Audi. Uh, we went to actually in, in the break between practices down to that post office. And we were down there to get bubble wrap to put in James Laronitis' car. And we heard crickets in the back room. So me and Will look at each other and we're like, we need to get to these crickets. We need to. So as soon as we said that, the guy from the bait shop walks in and he's picking up like 30,000 crickets. And we're like, hey, man, can we get some crickets? He's like, well, what do you have for me? And we're like, well, I don't know if this is legal, but let's do tickets for crickets. Uh, We trade the guy some tickets. He gives us 10,000 crickets. And we drive back to the, the facility in the break and we put them all in James's car. Now that night when James came out, we helped him clean his car out as if we were really bummed for him uh, and noticed the terrible smell. And the smell was uh, 10,000 crickets that had crawled into his vents and died. So long story short, James had to, had to turn his Audi back in. Um, and we got caught on CCTV because there was a big, you know, there was like a surveillance video in the indoor and uh, William Hayes still denies it to this day, even with the footage. <laughs> with the video. <laughs> yeah, I can remember sitting in, um, in, in our security officer's um, office and watching the video with James and William, and William's denying it. <laughs> so, I mean, there was a – Portland Finnegan took all the linebackers' cars and put them on a, uh, on a, on a, a truck carrier – and the truck carrier was parked up the hill across the river so the guys could see it during walkthrough. And when they got out, they all they all walk in front of the now Russell Center and they say, Court, you got to get our cars down here. We got family in town. We got people we got to pick up from the airport, the whole thing. He goes, don't worry, I got a ride for you guys. The guys are all sitting there single file waiting for the cars. And you hear a big shh. And around the corner comes uh, a city bus. So Cortland had chartered a city bus to get these guys where they, where they needed to go. He had their cars on car carriers. That's great. Um, so, yeah, we never stopped. And it was a lot of fun. I, I want to go back, Chris, so to, to the James, because James Laurinaitis is not a guy that gets mad. How no. did he react when you were watching that video, though? Honestly, he laughed it off, and like I think he prayed for us. Uh, you know, he's one of, these, he's, one of he's, he, he's one of those Christians that I really respect. That like he truly turns the other cheek, like he really walks the walk. Uh, and that was like if somebody went asked me what kind of guy James Laronitis was, this is a story I'd tell because he did not actually. Though I got he sinned. He uh, he he was planning. To uh, he was planning to ship my car to London. We went to London to play that year. He was going to have my truck on the practice facility. Uh, he, he he had contacted somebody about shipping the the, the Mercedes across the Atlantic Ocean uh, and dropping it in London, but he didn't have quite enough time. So uh, I can't say for sure would he have done it or not, but uh, it never happened. You guys are you pro football players are children. Big children. <laughs> we like to have fun, Randy. You put people with a lot of money and a lot of a lot of ideas. Some creative things tend to happen. It just it's all in good fun. No one is injured in the process generally. So no. yeah, you have fun. Chris Long is a great storyteller, and you'll be able to, to again see the entire interview on Sunday night on Fox Two, and then you'll be able to see it on our YouTube channel. Just subscribe to the One Hundred and One ESPN. 
YouTube channel. And uh, Chris has a great podcast, the Greenlight Podcast, and he tells stories like that all the time, and he has his dad and his brother on on a regular basis. The crew that he has is great. So if you get a chance, check out Chris's Greenlight Podcast as well. It's one of the best podcasts going. Talking with the guys in the locker room, I just you, you think like, the atmosphere they always had was just amazing. I mean, Chris Long would, would go in there, and, I mean, guys would be in the middle of their interviews, and he would just be like, your team, your fantasy team is complete trash. I got Kevin Durant and Carmelo Anthony. I'm going to, like, in the middle of the interviews. I remember one time when Tim Barnes and Barrett Jones were both on the team, I, I was interviewing Tim Barnes, and every time Tim Barnes would mention Mizzou or playing in the SEC, Barrett Jones would look at him and be like, you, I'm sorry, you did what? No, you didn't. No, yeah, it's, that doesn't count. It barely counts as a champ. It was, it was just the, the camaraderie in the locker room was always like the best part about covering it. Cool. They, they, it's a shame they never won, and especially he and James because they're really, really good guys, and it's a shame that the, the team wasn't trying to win while they were here. And that's one of the other things that Chris will tell you. Sorry. Our ownership was terrible. They weren't mm-hmm. trying to win. And so he had to go and make that transactional move. He didn't really want to play for Belichick, but he wanted to win a Super Bowl. So he, he made that transaction and then fortunately won with Philly as well. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with an edition of Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. So one more Chris Long story. A few years ago, he and Fletcher Cox of the Eagles became really tight. And a few years ago, Fletcher Cox was uh, on a flight from Dallas to Philadelphia and tweeted, so I'm done about had it with this American Airlines flight attendant. Brush should be trying to be nicer to people. And so Chris changed his profile to look like American Airlines, put the American Airlines uh, tail logo on there. and the Amer- So it looked just like the American Airlines account. And then Chris just uh, quote tweets it and says, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, and I guess Fletcher Cox bought into it for a while. But uh, yeah, he's, he's a terrific prankster. All right, times. what do we got on rock and roll here, sir? Well, I was just thinking... The man is not malicious, and his his things don't have victims the way that Dan Snyder's did. But I got to think that Jim Irsay's got to be one of the people thinking, man, that Dan Snyder's out of the way. I I'm just right in the in the crosshairs to be the the owner saying the dumbest stuff possible. He was. Uh, Quoted a few days ago, he actually tweeted out saying, The NFL running back situation. We have negotiated a CBA that took years of effort and hard work and compromise and good faith by both sides. To say now that a specific player category wants negotiation after the fact is inappropriate. Some agents are selling quote unquote bad faith. And he has kind of doubled down because people were like, wait a second, that's a that's an owner who's got a pretty high priced running back thing. who who's supposed to be up uh, after his, his rookie deal. And Jonathan uh, Ursay has uh, Jim Ursay has now said a little bit more. He says, quote unquote, the comment wasn't really directed at Jonathan. He said this in a phone interview to ESPN. We haven't exchanged any contract numbers with each other or anything like that. So it's not like we're in the midst of that. I think we've had a rough season last year. We didn't win a lot of games. This is a year about coming back and having a great year and we're really depending on Jonathan to team up with quarterback Anthony Richardson to try and pull together to have a great year. So we he, love Jonathan. We need Jonathan. <laughs> when he made the first comment, he just forgot that, Kinda, that, yeah, that his running back was well, a stud and he was going to need him to be... Popped up in that briefcase and... Uh, okay. All he has to do is pay him. Yeah, I mean, pay clearly, him and he'll be happy. Well, he's like clearly not going to do that. Doesn't he? He's not going to do like that. He's got like 300 grand cash in the briefcase, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah. He's not, he's not going to pay him. He just told you he's not. But then he tried to... 
you know, backtrack, backtrack yeah. a little bit and say, hey, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about my guy. Yeah. I'm talking about all the other guys, all the other teams, their guys. Now, how much onus is on the union for not taking care of running backs in the CBA? I don't know if it's on the union. I mean, the union's job is to do the best job for all players. And, and you know, sometimes we've had issues where, you know, the player that gets the, the minimum contract is not looked after as much as the guy that's getting the max contract. So the job of the union is to try to look out for the best interest for the, the group as a whole in that you're going to miss some pieces or some people aren't going to feel uh, like they are, are being accounted for or looked after. With the running back situation, I think it's just going to take an owner to decide, hey, I want to pay this guy X amount of dollars. It's going to become a bidding war. One of these guys is, is going to have a great year, have a great career, and you know, six, seven years in at 27 years old because he left after his junior year, uh, he'll be able to get that contract, and hopefully you know, you'll have two or three teams bidding for him, and then that'll start setting the market That's straight. That's the key. Yeah. Yeah, that, that it would help. I don't, again, I don't know if there's a way to artificially do it, but just making those comments from, from Ursa, and I think there is some context here, which is that the Colts, since the new rookie numbers were put into place, the new the new system with the extra year extension for first-round picks and all that stuff, or, or option, I should say, the Colts have consistently signed their rookies in the off season before they start the final year of their contract. That has been there that like that is like I know a lot of teams do it. I'm not saying that it's rare for them, but that is consistently how the Colts handle rookie contracts. Mm-hmm. And so to obviously and publicly not handle Taylor's like this after those comments, I don't know how Jen, how Ursay didn't expect this to kind of you know all come together and conflate into this big thing about him going against his own running back. That's pretty obvious. Again, why I'm kind of wondering if he's not regretting Daniel Snyder being gone, but Certainly moves him to the front of the yeah, but I, category. I don't think anybody rises to the level of Daniel no, Snyder. No. Daniel Snyder didn't even have to say anything to be an idiot. He point. was just there. Point. He made uh, a lot yeah. of money. But. Speaking speaking of maybe saying things that you you shouldn't have, um, new Broncos head coach Sean Payton yesterday with some interesting comments about his predecessor in Mile High Stadium. He's saying everything I heard about last season, we're doing the opposite. It might have been one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. That's how bad it was. Since then, uh, some players who played for Nathaniel Hackett have come out. Not exactly a big fan of Sean Payton's comments. Your thoughts on Payton going hard after his uh, predecessor? He ain't wrong. He's not. (laughs) I mean, and he would have a better idea than all of us here because he's going into a building after that coach just left and saw how things were organized, how things were ran, how practices, like guys may have done things differently in practice. Nathaniel Hackett looked out of sorts as a head coach in, in the very NFL. first game. He looked like he did not belong in that position. And here's the problem with, you know, uh, owners, GMs wanting to hire. Oh, he's an offensive group. That doesn't mean anything. Most times, offensive coordinators are people that don't really communicate very well. They aren't people that are, are have great people skills. They're, they're, they're just an X's and O's guy. So when you put them in a head coach position where they are over the entire team and have to communicate effectively with multiple positions, <laughs> multiple players, it's a difficult task. Kerry, you're a coach. You are a pro player. You have paid attention. You're a fan. Mm-hmm. Can you point out to me, because I have difficulty and I've been watching for a long time, can you point out to me the great offensive coordinator that didn't have a great quarterback? Uh, no. <laughs> it kind of goes hand in hand. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't know if there's one that you can say, oh, he's great. Yeah, no. Brian, Brian, Brian Billick? 
He didn't have a. He didn't. Have a, I don't think, think you would categorize him as a as a great OC. He yeah. was a great offensive coordinator when he yeah, had Randy Cunningham, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Those two things go hand in hand. Yeah, that's why it's always on the players to perform. Again, if I am a, I can be considered a great coach and. Uh, my quarterback does something spectacular. That was a hell of a play yeah. call. Yeah, I didn't call that. That and, was something he did. Oh, by the way, inherently, this is an automatic. When you talk about bad coaching jobs, if you allow a quarterback to bring in his personal quarterback coach into the building, you have done a bad coaching job. Brando, uh, um, Russell Wilson, uh, from what I have was told, he had two parking spaces, had his own office in the building. Those are things that if you are a head coach – you cannot allow because you are essentially, hey, he's he's the quarterback of the team. We already know what that means. He's going to be paid X amount of dollars. He's going to be looked at in, in a certain light. But when you start giving him extras as opposed to your star cornerback or your star linebacker or your star left tackle, what, what the hell am I? Yeah, right. Why is he? Of course he's going to get paid more because that's what the market requires. But why does he get more in this building? He can rent his own office he next can, door he, with he his can. masseuse. That was, was going to be my next thing is it was I was going to bring up the office and ask 100% chance yeah, no. that that office just doesn't exist this year, right? Yeah, yeah, it's no. there. Somebody else is in Somebody it. Somebody else yeah, is in it, though. Somebody, no question. Yeah, real coach. Thank you, Matthew. Oh, thank you, Ray. Hey, I'm going to be over at uh, the Seiden Stricker Nobi Partners tent sale this afternoon from noon to two. It's going to be at the Premium Outlet Mall in Chesterfield, and again, it's the final weekend of their sizzling summer sales event, featuring great savings and great financing with easy on-the-spot application processes. Come out and talk to the John Deere sales professionals, find the best equipment for your property. It's today from noon to two out at the tent sale in Chesterfield at the premium outlet mall in Chesterfield on the parking lot out there. I will be there from noon to two at the Seidenstricker Nobi Partners tent sale in Chesterfield. Come out and check out some of the great John Deere products. Matthew Rocchio, our producer, audio engineer. Great job. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke Grimsley will be back on Monday. CD. Hey, 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 hey. I will not be back on Monday. I'm going to be playing in a golf tournament, so I will be back on Tuesday, which is trade deadline day. I think I'm you guys will have it because I'm out. I think you guys will have something to talk about on Monday. I, I kind of have a feeling that that's going to be the case. <laughs> I swear they better not. I what swear time is, they better what not. What time is, uh, you, does, your, does the golf tournament start? <laughs> and it's actually the Cardinals golf tournament. What time oh, does it start? We tee off at ten. So we, we we could call you if something. Oh yeah, I'll be on I something see what they up. did here, Randy. They said we're gonna make big moves. We can't have Randy Carricker breaking it down live. We got to take him away from that show, get him off the air, so that he's not breaking down the analysis of those trades. There you go. They want to yeah. take it away from the fans for some reason. We got this newfangled thing called a cell phone. Because they're gonna hold, we're gonna hold them accountable. And the interwebs. Yeah. What? We'll be around. What? Yeah, it really does work. <laughs> oh my, does stop work. it. Yeah, we got a balloon party with T Mac and Ajax coming up, and then BK and Ferrari are gonna have Eli Drinkwitz, Mizzou's head coach, and then in the fast lane from 2 to 6 this afternoon. Hope you have a great weekend for all of us. Thanks for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. And until Monday morning at 7, have a great weekend, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.